Hello and welcome to another episode of the Calcio Connection Podcast. We are connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. This one is all about Roma. We're about three weeks away from the Serie A season getting started. I, for one, cannot wait because Mercato rumors and reports getting recycled over and over and over again, especially in a summer like this where most Italian clubs don't have a whole lot of money to spend. It's just been PSG and some of the English clubs spending all the dough. I am just ready for Calcio to be back. So we are previewing the upcoming season for Roma. We have a fantastic panel, which does include everyone's favorite Laziale, Jerry Mancini, who uh, is going to be talking plenty of crap, I am sure. This is going to be a really fun one. I am Alex Dono, alongside Jerry Mancini, as always. We also have our guy, Steve Shavillo. We have Mas Riccio. We have Johnny. Now, Jerry, can you explain something to me? Because I feel kind of upset that we forced Johnny to pick a side here because he is equally as massive of a Napoli supporter as he is a Roma supporter. And yet, for some reason, we neglected to invite him onto the Napoli episode last week, and we have invited him to the Roma episode. So, Jerry, was this your way of hinting that you feel like Johnny is a bigger Roma supporter than Napoli? Got to meet this fucking fucker. How about that? <laughs> the guy met my mother and my fucking father. Wow. Wow. <laughs> moving I, fast, I feel like the relationship between you guys escalated very quickly. He's already meeting the parents. <laughs> my father was telling him how much how much he hates soccer now for how corrupted it is. And what do you see? I think he probably said something to him about Juve, but you know what? It, it, it's me trying to get um, a perspective on Roma. I know that I'm a Lazio fan, but at the same time, I'm not. I'm not oblivious and, and try to keep a blind eye and say, "Hey, Roma is just not an existing club." It's good to hear what's going on in the other side of of, of the capital. So for me, it's. I'm always curious to know what's going on with Roma, what what their approach is this season, the good and the bad. Every club has that. So I, I don't like to be biased and just be one-sided Lazio, whereas Johnny here, I don't know if he's a Napoli fan or a Roma fan. It's like fucking Batman at night and Bruce, Bruce Wayne during the day. It's basically what it is with this guy. Childhood team, family. It's, it's, it's but, like I'm stuck in between. I, I just... <laughs> but but we uh, you know what I, I as much as I hate Roma I, I I'm not scared to talk about them either. There's some, you guys are all respectable and great Roma fans that are Anthony couldn't come on tonight and, and I and I was hoping to meet him because he made the video of me. If you guys ever seen the music video of Ninety Nine Problems and uh, oh, that's so good. That was the guy who made it and and I, and I respect him a lot. <laughs> I I love people who banter me. In such a great way like that because it's it's what Twitter needs. Um, we got Steven, we got Mass, we got Johnny tonight. So a, a good Roma group here. I'll say two out of three are a good Roma group because the other one I don't know what he uh, what 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 side he's on yet. Um, today I deserve he, all these punches, honestly speaking. I deserve it. I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm not gonna even deny it or whatever. I'm like you're right, you're right. I can't even say that because I, I I have a soft spot for Inter because of my father. So. I'm not a I'm not a true Inter supporter, but I don't hate Inter. I, I respect him. I, I, I like I love him. I still love Inzaghi, but off the record, he's about to get fucked six ways out, man. Because like, if if Lukaku leaves, that's the ultimate go fuck yourself gift from Claudio Latito, and, and he's probably back at square one being at Lazio. That that's my <laughs> opinion. Like, if you lose your two best players. 
are essentially would you have just like wished that you didn't fucking you just stayed at Lazio? Dan Lucci, I am an idiot and I hate Juventus. You are a smart guy, man. You are a smart guy. I hate Juventus too. They're shit. Go ahead, Alex. No, listen, man. I mean, you're you're talking about my worst fears, and and we're we're gonna get the Roma. Believe me, I'm not gonna wax poetic too long on Inter. But yeah, if they were if they were to sell Lukaku, no matter how high the price is, there would be a revolt. I mean, there would be a revolt against Suning. There'd be a revolt against ownership because Lukaku doesn't want to leave, right? So I mean, and, and listen, I, I'm not gonna freak out too much, even though J- I, I love how Jerry is the agitator. He's trying to push me over the edge. Here's what's factual. Inter turned down a 100 million euro offer for Lukaku. So it's not like they've accepted an offer and they're trying to push him, you know, to Chelsea. They've turned down an offer from Lukaku. Now, what I guess I would be afraid of is if Chelsea says, you know what, fine, we have a lot of money to spend. We just won Champions League. We're trying to make our team even better. You turn down 100 million, we'll come back with a 120 million euro offer. So I don't know where this is. Everyone has a price. I'm not the guy who thinks Lukaku is leaving. It was you who said Nima is reading between the lines and that he thinks maybe he could be gone. And, like, it's just, like, coding wording you were saying before. Uh, no, I know Nima's just – I know how he always thinks outside the box. He doesn't just accept and that's it, and I respect him for that. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think Lukaku is leaving. I just like pushing you, but <laughs> – um, I know, was, and I appreciate it. You know what? I think people Seriously, are stupid. like banter. I like banter as well. I, I mean, think people are so stupid because at the end of the day, it won't be Lukaku who will be sold first. It will be Martinez. He will be the first out the door because of his contract issues. So let's just true. let's put this aside right now because they have a selling chip on the table. They're not forced to sell Lukaku. Yeah, they need money, but they got selling chips. It's not like Lazio where you're, you're hoping to sell Korea – so you don't sacrifice three other good players. You want to sacrifice your 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 least best player, so it doesn't hurt your squad. But enough for Inter, enough for Lazio. It's bonsai tree night, baby. There is, we get a bonsai tree counter for every time you mention it, Jerry. Let, let, let me apologize to our live viewers over in Europe who uh, who we make stay up very late because I think our guy David here is in the UK. He says, yo, you really need to start doing these videos three or four hours earlier and your viewership will considerably grow, guys. Uh, well, listen, the, the problem is, bro, you're over there in the UK all five of us happen to be in North America. So, you know, we've got, we got jobs, we got responsibilities. I mean, evening for you is great. Evening for us is also great. We try. I mean, I think Jerry and I have done some episodes in, uh, in the afternoon, North America, evening, you know, UK and Europe. So we try, man, and I, I respect it. And you know what, David? You are a real one because the fact that you stay up even late enough to see the start of an episode, if it's you know past midnight, your time, 1 a.m., whatever it is, we appreciate you and we love you and we thank you. So let me introduce this great panel. By the way, I apologize in advance because I'm going to have to dip out for most of this episode because my kid has been sick today. He's been shitting his brains out for most of the day, my three-year-old, so I, he requires special attention today. So I'm going to leave you guys he in the hands Harry and our awesome or panel. <laughs> Where kids saw Gary Neville on TV and said, "Oh yeah, that one ugly idiot." What a chooch! <laughs> what a chooch! Yeah, a man who is not a chooch. We appreciate him coming back. He's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Roma journalists, Steve Shavillo, 
from Chiesa di Totti, whose uh, his stock has been soaring. He has been going to the moon lately. Steven, welcome back, sir. How you been? I'm well. Thanks for having me back on. Excited to talk Roma with a couple of the Roma fans. Um, poor Jerry has to deal with us tonight without no, your support. So he's gonna get it. <laughs> Oh man, and and we're joined again uh, by our buddy Mas Riccio, who is uh, who's one of the uh, the many uh, the many great uh, Italo Canadians who has been frequenting this channel, and we absolutely love him. Mas, how you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me back again. It's I our pleasure. Give, man. I want to give him a shout too, as we're on with Mas here. He's uh, the advocator. He's the the banter of Gary Neville, and uh, <laughs> he, he hasn't stopped uh, bantering him. With it's coming home and having a new tweet every day, and I'm waiting to see when he's going to respond to you. But who knows I, if he ever gets a response? That's amazing because uh, I'm persistent. Fabrizio Romano blocked, blocked you. Me. No, Fabrizio blocked me, so I, yeah. I cracked him. But somehow you haven't cracked Gary Neville, so I don't know. I slowed down a bit. I've been running out of ammo. I went to tweet at him about that Euro win. Like I've been pulling stats and like really doing a deep dive and really reaching into the bag there. It's it's getting tough. Uh, I took a break this weekend because I had some family stuff to attend to. But I mean, I'll get back on it this week. <laughs> I, I love yeah. how it takes family stuff to be like, you know what? I have to go easy on Gary Neville for a few days. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I have family obligation. Yeah. It's like a full-time job. <laughs> That is too good. And we are also joined, again, I, I know Jerry and I were already bantering this man a little bit, but he is he is a real one, and we love him. Johnny from the Calcio guys is back. Uh, he is looking great, not only with the beautiful bald head uh, yeah. like myself, but he's got that wonderful, wonderful Roma shirt on. Johnny, how are you, sir? First of all, thank you so much for having me on and for that introduction. I love it. I'm, I'm always happy to join you guys, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back on with you guys. So I want to get the, the ball rolling with I think this is the obvious place to start before I have to have to step aside for a little bit. And and uh, Johnny, uh, I'll start with you on this one and then we can go around the table with Mass and with Steven. You know, Roma, of course, made a very high profile appointment for their new manager. And that is Jose Mourinho, who comes back to the city. Uh, uh, obviously, he is one of the biggest names on planet Earth in managerial circles. He comes with a lot of media attention. And you guys know, of course, I have a very special place for uh, for Mr. Mourinho in my heart after winning the treble with Inter 11 years ago. So I, I am happy to see him back in the city. Uh, so, Johnny, let me start with you. Uh, were you shocked? Because this kind of came out kind of came out of nowhere because it was yeah. looking like Sadri was going to be the guy. And then completely out of left field, it was Mourinho. So how did you react to it? I, I was like, this got to be a fake rumor. Then it was actually posted on the AS Roma Instagram page. And I'm like... Oh my God, this is actually happening. Like I was, I, I would have never thought in my lifetime that a, a big manager like Mourinho would have undertaken Roma as a, as a team, probably because he wants a challenge. He wants something different, you know, and he really, I think he really enjoys managing in Serie a, Um, And I, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, the guy has two Champions League titles. He's won numerous league titles. Like he, he knows how to win. He's one of the best of all time. And Especially Roma, as as we all have seen past couple of seasons, you see there's been a loss of guidance. They seem I don't want to say that they're like Mass and I have discussed it many times before personally that there's like a lack of enthusiasm or leadership. Like there's a lack of like passion for the team, and I think like a guy like Mourinho can bring a certain uh, 
like general attitude back, like a, like I don't want to say like military militaristic. Wow, I can't even use words tonight. Uh, type of military attitude, but something similar to that. So on the whole Mourinho front, I'm all for it. I'm excited for it, and uh, I only I only expect good things to come. I don't think anything dramatic, like like a major European title victory, but the fact that they're going to get back into a winning mentality just to get the ball rolling. And just a quick little thing. I think it also shows that the free kids are like, okay, we're too new with this. We're unsure what to, where to go. So what's the best way to do this? Let's get one of the greatest managers of all time to handle the team. Let him kind of take control. We'll just, Hey, whatever you need, we'll try to get it for you type of thing. How about you, Mass? Yeah, so, um, I mean, they were pretty quiet about the Mourinho thing. It kind of came out of left field, I find, because, like, we were seeing rumors of Sari and other names being thrown around. And when we, I woke up and saw Mourinho that day on Twitter, I was in shock because was, he wasn't even in the mix, I think, in what's been being circulated throughout the Twitterverse. Um, so I like it. He's, I think he's the right guy to bring an identity back to this team because I feel like that's what the team's been lacking under Fonseca. Like, they didn't look like they had... Uh, like if you look at teams of old, like they they're lacking some sort of like fight while wearing that shirt, and I I saw that lacking the last season that Fonseca was there before uh, they decided to part ways with him. So I mean he's a great manager to have to kind of bring that back, make them more defense uh, responsible defensively, which we've kind of seen throughout the uh, preseason games. I mean outside of Porto, I didn't catch. I think did they play Sevilla yet. I kind of yeah yeah zero zero zero. So there you go. I mean it's not a. Um, it's, it's a great name to have. He has the pedigree, right? So, I mean, if we look back at his previous uh, his previous appointments, they did, he has a Europa Cup under his name, I think, or two. I'm not sure. Uh, might have been the one with Man, Man United. Man United, I think, yeah. yeah so he, the won one with Man, he won the Europa with them. I th- so, and look, uh, he's kind of, everyone's kind of got the jury out on him because he was, he came out gunning in his early career. So now it's like, we, is he really as good as everyone says he is this far in? I think he has a lot, a lot to prove, and he's going to be the right manager to kind of right the ship uh, for Roma moving forward. So, what about you, Steve? I know you probably have said so much on your pod. Yeah, I mean, the like the guy said, the move came out of nowhere. I mean, the day it happened, I was at work, and you know, I one of the our, my followers tweeted at me like, "Oh, you guys have a lot to talk about in the next episode," and I thought he was talking about Fonseca getting canned, and I was like, "Well, that's not really like <laughs> that that big news." And then I refreshed my stream and I was like, holy cow, like this, this came out of nowhere. And I think that's just how the Freakins operate. Even with the signings this summer, I mean, Shamordov, that came out of nowhere. Vina, who's, you know, going to be Spinatola's basically replacement until he comes back, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, you know, none of the names that are linked ever end up there for some reason. Even the Jaka move starting to break down. So maybe somebody else comes out of nowhere. But even P- Pinto's hiring, besides Mourinho, was, was real quiet. I feel like it was not a name that was mm-hmm. circulating too much. Um but I think the biggest thing, yeah, you can't expect miracles. I don't expect to win a trophy this year, you know, unless they win this grand conference league or something. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think the mentality is the biggest thing. I think the team has lacked like a nastiness that they haven't had since the Derossis and the Angolans and the Strutmans left the team a couple of years ago. And there, there wasn't that fight. And I think he has brought an energy to the team. Like Mancini's comments after the Porto match kind of spoke to that, how the team rallied around Mkhitaryan after that Pepe foul. And um, even you see Jekko is excited to play for the team again. And, and yeah. Mkhitaryan, guys that probably were out the door. I thought Mkhitaryan would leave when Mourinho came because they didn't have the best relationship from the United days, it seemed like. But yeah. it seems like he wants another crack at it. 
And Jekko, I thought he was gone. I mean, you know, the guy was had a almost two feet out the door last year with Fonseca, but it seems it was more of an issue with Fonseca than it was the club. Uh, you know, some many Roma fans would have rather seen a new striker come in, but if Jekko's energized, maybe he gets you 12 to 15 goals. Who knows? But I think it just shows the Mourinho effect and and what the, the Friedkins got out of this move already without even, you know, playing a regular season match so far. Well, I'm just curious, like, we know that Mourinho kind of gets stale. And, and in recent seasons, he's never, like, really adapted his style. And he's not, like, a modern manager anymore. Like, he thinks still 20 years ago. Do you think that may be a factor with Roma? Or you think that it, it, somehow his style will adapt to the way you guys play? Or will it cause any problems? You know what I mean? Like, you think he's still hasn't gone out of his box and, and try to think more creative now. He's I mean, gonna, sorry. No, no, no. Right, uh, hey. He's going he's to ha- have no choice but to adapt, right? He's yeah. got to prove that he can kind of roll with the modern, the modern day game. And I mean, I feel like his style will be more suited to city. I mean, you saw yeah. how much success he had with Inter, right? So it could work, but he's going to have to tweak. Cause if, uh, if everyone starts getting the playbook on him, it's going to be a long season for us. Cause it's not hard to shut down after. So he's going to have to be nimble. He's going to have to adjust. There's no choice. He has to prove himself too now because his last few years haven't been exactly stellar. And correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he use two different type of formations in the past couple of games? I think he did like a four-four-two and like a four-two-three-one or something like that. Uh, I could be like like mixing it up in my brain right now, but like I think he's kind of experimenting a bit, seeing what he has with this or seeing what weapons he has available to him. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't see the Sevilla match. I think the four-two-three-one will be the base, but I think he's shown some flexibility so far in the preseason, and I think. You know, he's going to have to adapt. But I do think that, like uh, Ma said, that he fits Serie a, a little bit better tactically than he does the Premier League, uh, different style of play. And, I, you know, I think he has to see this as his last chance at redemption, really, because if he fails here, where what other big club will give him a chance again? You know, I think, like, in England, his, his brand has gone stale, you know. Um, you know, Tottenham was tough. I watched the All or Nothing documentary when he took over that team, and, you know, they, they were playing with tons of guys injured. Kane was out as much as I know you you, you banter about him, Jerry, lately. But, you know, he's he's the best striker at the Premier League the last year. And, you know, he was out. And he actually turned Kane into the a guy who had the top goals and assist numbers in the league before he got fired last year. So, you know, he, he can work with the players that have the right mentality, that buy into his kind of siege mentality. It's kind of like us against the world sometimes, which, you know, a guy like Deli Alley, who was a bit of a prima donna, didn't. But I think if Roma brings in the right players, and I think a lot of the players that are there now have that mentality. Like, I think Gianluca Mancini will love working with him. I think Zaniolo is going to thrive with him. You know, there there will be some guys who along the way probably become collateral damage for, for whatever reason because he has those little issues here and there. But if they get the right mentality, I think the roster is not as bad as it performed last year in many ways. I, I thought that I, I, I hate Kane. I think he's one of the best players. The, yeah. You have to be delusional to think he's yeah. not a good player. I just hate his attitude. When you don't show up to training camp today, it just it shows me how good of a player Savage is, not just on the pitch but off the pitch in his leadership. And, and, it, and it reminds me, players like – and I, I and I know that we're talking about Roma, but I, I refer to Savage because he was rumored to be sold for three straight seasons, never said boo, went to training camp. Jekyll's the same way. Where Jekyll shows up every season, he's a good example where he show people think that get rid of him, get rid of him, but he still scores what 
10, 20, 30 goals every year, consistently produces, um, gets shit on a lot, I find, at times, and he still performs at a high level and has never shown the 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 poor attitude of not coming. Like, he showed up to training camp. He's accepting a new role under Mourinho. He looks alive again, you guys said. Whereas Kane wants 100 million, whatever the heck he wants. He wants to go to Man City. And he doesn't show up to Spurs training camp. That's such a bad look on him for me. And, and it I, it's not a guy who I want on my team, regardless of how good you are. Um, but, again, I, I'm curious. You don't want that in your changing room, though. Yeah, exactly. Like You, you don't I, want I, that in the changing room. And that was the thing that bothered me about Zeko last year. Is like you saw it in his body language. Like mm-hmm. He was phoning it in. Yeah. But what I've been yeah. seeing now, like his body language is completely different. And you're, you're right, Steve. I really think this attitude that Mourinho brings to the team is going to benefit a lot of players. It's it's inevitable with Mourinho that you're going to have some collateral damage and some players won't rally behind that mentality. But those who will are going to do really well. Like a Cristante, I think, can really thrive mm-hmm. in that kind of environment. Like you said, a Mancini. He tends to pick on like your, your star players that are because he expects a lot out of them. So I think Zaniolo, it's going to be a make or break. Like he's going to, he looks like he's coming back strong. But if he doesn't gel with Mourinho, I think he unfortunately might be collateral damage if he can't handle that kind of pressure coming from a coach. Um, other players I think that would do well. I mean, maybe Darboy. Darboy looks like that gritty type of player. So I, I like that he's actually giving the younger Primavera players uh, a shot at the first team too, especially that what we saw with Calif- uh, Calafiori, Darboy last year and Zaluski. So I'm excited. If he really kind of starts to incorporate them into the rotation deeper into the season and kind of getting their feet wet with the first team, I think um, we're going to kind of see like the the fruits that uh, De Rossi's been bearing in the Primavera to kind of like come forth for our first team. Yeah. Like, I really think it might be good for us. I think that's where the Conference League helps too. You, you can play those kind of players. It's not the Champions they, League. Yeah, because yeah. they could do better. It's that their talent will probably be on par if not better depending, right? But Given our Primavera's history, I think they're better. So, just a side topic. I agree. Luis Alberto is a prima donna, and, and he 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 follows suit with Harry Kane. As a Lazio fan, I'll be honest. That guy sometimes he could be the best athlete on the field, and he can give it one hundred and ten percent. But there's there's days where he needs to shut his mouth, and he's no better than Kane, where he just bites himself in the ass. Um, but I, I want to get away from that. But I'm I'm curious. Have if Mauricio Sari had signed with Roma, do you think he would have been a good fit, or are are you more happy that Mourinho had joined over Sari? Because uh, you guys play a four three three, right? Or no? No, not no. so much last year. No, no. Okay, so Johnny, tell me, do you think that maybe Sari would have been a better choice over Mourinho, or do you think that Roma maybe no, but- dodged a bullet? I think Roma dodged a bullet. I don't think Roma had the team for Saudi ball. I think they didn't have the legs for it, maybe a bit on the left side, but overall they didn't have the legs for it up front. Zeko wouldn't have cut it. I mean, like it, you could like even Higuain when he was playing with Napoli under Saudi ball, like he he was fitter than he is today, type of thing. Like I, it's constant movement. It's a beautiful style. It's a beautiful style, but it's. I mean, I think we, I think we might have had a good enough mid to kind of support it. that a tool needed to be healthy the entire season. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have, we would have, it would have to be healthy the entire season. But um, I don't think they had the roster for it. And I think Sadi would have looked like how he had at Juve, where he didn't have the team for his system. And and I, I don't want to say flop, 
because he still won the Scudetto that year, but like it wouldn't have uh, done wonders for us as it did with Napoli during those times. Like it was just like De Laurentiis bought into that system, worked out very well, but I don't think it was going to have the same type of effect at Roma. Um, I, I think Mourinho was the better choice because like I said, new ownership, they need guidance or they want somebody for guidance. Might as well go for one of the most seasoned managers ever. And he knows instead of forcing, I, I don't want to say that he's not going to force his own system into it or use his own system, but he's like, Oh, well, if I don't have these type of tools, I'll use others. Whereas Sadi, I feel he's, if you say Mourinho's one dimensional, I think like, <laughs> I think Sadi's even further down the line. I, I think he's got the tunnel because that's all that's, that's his, that's his bread, bread and butter. It's one of Europa league title with Chelsea. Sure. But he also had Jorginho at Chelsea. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, I didn't think they were going to be able to find success with it. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I, I think in the end, I think this is the right hire, especially because we saw Roma struggle so much on defense last year under Fonseca. You know, at times they could look so good going forward. And early in the year, the defense wasn't that bad. But, I mean, you know, as bad as Lopez was at times and Mirante was at times in goal, they were under fire. You know, that Roma did not have a good structure last year. And I think Mourinho will bring that structure. Um I mean, Sadi could have fit with some of the players, like the guy said, but I don't think he would have been a, a perfect fit, especially like Jekko. That example is perfect because Jekko can't do that, play that game at this point in his career. You're going to have to invest in a striker. So they would have needed more investment, I think, than they've had to make so far for Mourinho. How about you, Mass? Uh, we dodged a bullet because the thing is, is with Sari's system, it's only as strong as your regista, right? So Jorginho mm-hmm. is the perfect example. You had him at Napoli, you had him at Chelsea, and he's phenomenal, so it's going to work. We don't have that kind of player to do that. And we don't have – we kind of have some of the pieces, but we would have had to spend money in the transfer market to really try and fill in those pieces. And there's no, the money's not there right now, I think, financially with Roma to be making that kind of a splash. Mm-hmm. We still got to offload a lot of dead wood from the, the Pilata era. So, I mean, the money's tied up. Like, the fact that we got the players that we got for the prices we got now is perfect. But I really think Mourinho is the better fit. Um especially with what we have on hand at the team. So, and like Steve said, the the defensive structure, I mean, our back line wasn't healthy either. So when you, when you have Cristante playing as your center back, <laughs> it becomes, it becomes problematic, you know, like as much as Johnny knows, like as much as I've like been like upset about that whole situation, it is what it is. is you have no choice, but to adapt. I mean, it didn't work out to being like, you're channeling the spirit of Daniel De Rossi with him as a center back, but we had no choice there. Like our back line wasn't healthy, but the thing is Fonseca is not really, the type to kind of like figure out something else. We're still constantly playing three at the back without being able to actually play that kind of defensively responsible football with three. Like we weren't strong enough to be able to do that. So yeah. I think Marino is going to bring that structure and really kind of sort out all the defensive laps, like defensive issues we've seen in the past year or so with Fonseca, which is going to be a really nice to see because it's stressful watching with, uh, with that going on. So hopefully we'll see. I think it'll I'm be actually- all right. I'm shocked he turned down that job for uh, MLS, Atlanta United. Um, I, I thought that uh, Fonseca, he turned it down today. It's, um, I guess he didn't want to join or he just wants to stay in Europe, though. I yeah. I, I, I don't really know him that well. Um, when you're when you don't know when to make your substitutions and you 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 take a six substitution, one too many in the Copa Italia. It, it's a bad look on a, on a new manager. And, and given the fact of what Roma 
has gone through in past seasons, it's become a meme, a meme team. And, and, and it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's true though. When you got the bonsai tree, then you got Fonseca screwing up, and you haven't won since 2008. It, it, it becomes a trend. And how, I'm, how many teams can say they have a bonsai tree though as a tie, as a trophy? How many teams? Hey, I, I wish uh, I could buy – if I had the uh, money to buy a bonsai tree, fuck, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, told you, uh, I told you, Jerry, we're, uh, we're working on the carbon footprint with the club. We're trying to help the planet with the bonsai trees. <laughs> but, like, here, here's the thing. I, I, I banter about the conference league. But in all fairness, a trophy is a trophy. A tournament is a tournament. It, it's exactly. not just – I know that Roma is the first, and it's it, and it's a mocking by Latu fans, and I and I I, I get it, it's, it's jokes, but at the same time, Latu can be in seventh place next season, and we can be in the same position, be quoted as the second team to be in champions in the conference league. I I respect the league. I think they're doing something smart where they're taking the less talented teams. I would say, giving not saying that they're crap. I'm saying given in the respective that they're, they're not able to compete, say a team like Sassuolo that finished seventh wouldn't have been able to do well in, in, in the Europa League and has given them a chance to kind of compete for something and they can play with teams within their level, I, w- I would say. And I, I, I'm not trying to say that in a disrespectful way. Now, do you think Roma should take it serious and, and go the whole way or should they tank it and just worry about the league and Coppa Italia? Me personally, I think Roma should take all three tournaments con- with a grain of salt and, and be serious because a trophy is a trophy. And if if the team is able to win a, the Conference League, I think that can help them down the road. It's something maybe it's not the same equivalent amount of money in the Europa League or in the Champions League, but this team needs something to build off in order to start to regain the two, the early 2000s of how they were able to win, win championships, bring that, 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 that inspiration that they used to have under Totti, under uh, De Rossi. Like the, the early 2000s, Roma was a really good team and really hard to beat. And I think maybe winning a conference league can, can help them. And I'd love to hear what you guys think. I'll, I'll start with you, Mass. Yeah, so we need to take it seriously. Like, you don't want to see a team like Roma, like, as much as we're kind of, like, going through, like, a bit of a banter era and, like, that whole kind of situation, um, you don't want to be seen losing to a team like Transbonzapur or whatever from, where are they, from Turkey, I'm guessing? Yeah, Turkey, Turkey. yeah. You know, like, you don't want to start losing to those teams. Like, we need to take it seriously. Obviously, it helps because you kind of get into the groove of things. When you're winning... It's a good atmosphere in the room, and I think that's going to affect the play on the field. Everyone's going to come out with a swagger, a certain confidence, and they're going to play at their best. So every competition, we've got to take it seriously because it's just momentum to build to the next game, the next game, and the next game. Um, but like you said, yeah, it, it helps. But we can't be losing to teams like that in the conference league. So I really think they need to take it seriously. Um, and... Uh, yeah, no, we got to take it to Every competition. I think Mourinho will be the right guy for it, though. Like, I think he can handle it, but if he, we need to win the conference league, I think, anyway. Like, we really got to go with it, within our means, obviously, to rotate the squad and keep everyone healthy. But um, I think conference league is a must because we're that, we, we are that high caliber team that shouldn't be playing in that conference. So we got to prove that we're better than everyone there. The rest, I'll, I'll, it's just bonuses for me. Like, uh, for the Scudetto, if we finish top four, I'll be more than content because I really think we're more of a 6'5, five, like 5'6. Five, uh, and for the Coppa Italia, we try and go as deep as we can, right? So, 
We'll see. I do. I want to drop in for two seconds. I know that you guys made the semifinals two out of three years, but for me that equates to nothing because you're still in a financial situation where you're like 200 million debt. Um, you you still got a crisis by making the semifinals of the Europa League twice in three years. That's a lot of money you're supposed to be retaining and should be really invested better. Um, you no, would that's think, what it comes down to. It's poor you know investments. I mean? Look look at Pawara, especially with the Allison money. Where do we get Olsen? Um, I think was Under part of that at some point in the spending. I'm not sure. I know it was Olsen. Cristanti um, came in. Under was already on the squad. Under was already on the squad. Yeah. Yeah, so I know, he, was, he was on the Champions League semifinal team. Let's see here. Taking a look. Also, uh, even if Spurs is a better team, it doesn't always equate with the best players on the field. Maybe they don't uh, they don't adapt to Mourinho. So, given that Roma maybe has less talent, I'm just I'm just uh, answering his question, and you guys can piggyback. I think maybe Mourinho can do better with Roma compared to Tottenham, where there's less pressure. Um, younger players, maybe they're suited better to him. They listen to him. He's got less eagles in the team. A guy like Harry Kane, like you said earlier, can can cause a lot of problems. So, The problem here is that you can't really compare Roma to Tottenham in terms of history, right? I think I think I would like to think we have more history than Tottenham and our, our fan base is much more in sh- like has been has been in there. Sorry, has been there in force since the early days. Whereas Tottenham now, it's only been recently, I feel like there's a lot more Tottenham, ha- Tottenham fans that are coming out through the woodwork. So I think it was just a situation that Mourinho was put in at Tottenham where it's like, I think the team thinks they're better than they are. Whereas we realize that we're not where we should be. And I think Mourinho could kind of get us to where we need to be versus Tottenham where it's like, oh, we're amazing, but you don't see the results. You know what I mean? Like he brought them all the way to a cup final. I think it was the Carabao Cup. Yeah, I and think they fired him they, right yeah. before the they fired him right fired before, him. which makes Fucking no sense. Stupid, How do you That's fire stupid. a coach who gets you there right before? I really think there was something else happening in there, and I think he may have lost the room because that was the one thing in comparison to Mourinho when they had Pochettino. A lot of people were like, really, like they rallied behind Pochettino a lot more than I think they did Mourinho. That's what I see as the optics to fire a coach right before a, a cup final and when he gets you there. But I think th- this will be the right step forward for Roma. I think he could do it with what he ha- with what we have. It helps to have a big uh, big name coach like him because we could attract more talent once we kind of get our finances in check. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we got a couple of guys that still got to get out the door. I think uh, the Olsen deal broke down for us to kind of get some money back from that. Um, and I mean, who would have thought Greta Jacka coming to Roma? On top of that, right? I mean, Mourinho came and then all of a sudden we're we're linked with with Jacka. I think it's a good thing. That deal broke down too, which is unfortunate. So, I mean, I think Arsenal too are asking for a bit much. But uh, it, it helps. He's going to attract the talent. Just to add to your point, by the way, to continue upon, like when you sold Allison, basically, it depends on how you look at it. The Allison money just led to Schick, Nzonzi, Pastore, oh, Evert, the, and Defrel. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All Monchi's toys. Yeah, all Monchi's toys. Oh, uh, two, of them are, two of them are gone. I think Nzonzi is at Stadren. On a loan, uh, no, yeah. he's back at Three Gordia, uh, waiting to be sold or uh, the not, not willing to be sold. Yeah, <laughs> they left him out yeah. the pasture. <laughs> uh, even Pedro apparently now recently is on his way mm-hmm. to uh, Russia. Yeah. I think Zenit, Zenit, he's been rumored to Zenit. Uh, we brought be- in some really questionable players that are like I feel like are like way past their prime at some point. Like a Pedro, I would have rather not. Uh, Pastore, too, like Pedro's. It's Pedro's a lot of not bad. Control. Pedro's great at Chelsea. Okay. 
at the time. Mm-hmm. Schick was too much, in my opinion. Schick was way For too sure. much. For sure. Here's a question. How much are you paying Pedro? How much well, he has a really paying? high salary. I it's got to be $4 million or so. That's probably. crazy. If you put him over to six last night, that's is fucking it? insane. Yeah. Man. That's insane. That, yeah. That's, he's making more than Immobile. Savage and freaking like, are you kidding me? Six million. The guy's making double what they're making. No, the, the, those those purchases and a lot of players we brought in with Ooh, Monkey nice. during the Pilata era towards the end there were very questionable and suspect at best. They put us in a bad situation before they handed the team off to the Friedkins. Mm-hmm. But, well, Pedro, yeah. Pedro was after Monchi, though, no? No, it was yeah, Monchi. Yeah, it was, Pedro, it was Pedro this summer. After, just this past summer, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's crazy money. I, I think he's good for $2 million. If he was there for $2 million per season, $2 million or less, that's a fine sign. My if timelines he, are all messed up. I always thought it was a lot longer with Pedro. I don't, it if feels he's like making, it's been forever. It was just one making, long season. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. See, I don't have his wages. Like, I don't know his wages, but if he's making more, like, I know the mobile makes $3.5 So to make more than that and, and when he's at such a late age, and, and I'm just comparing, like, it's, it's bad investment. You're right. But I, I, I don't mind Pedro if he's $2 million off the bench. He's a good depth player's sake, maybe provides experience, leadership in the dressing room. But you know how Mourinho is, right? right. He has a certain type of player. But, Steve, what do you think? What are your thoughts on the whole conference league? And I think they have to take it back. seriously. I mean, if Mourinho is here to instill a winning mentality and if he makes the three years of his contract, I think, you know, this is a good starting point because – you know, you're not immediately thrust into the Champions League with a roster that can't handle it. You're in a, a, a tournament that, by all means, you should be able to make a deep run in if you really want to, even while rotating the squad. I mean, we saw what Fonseca did last year with the Europa League. That was probably the best thing he did in his two seasons was he handled the squad very well in the Europa League, uh, played a lot of the reserves in the group stage. And then as they got deeper and they played the Ajaxes and um, some of the other better teams that they played along the way, then they started to, to bring players in. And and even United, you know, that went bad, but it went bad after they lost three starters to injury in the first half. So who knows if it turns out at least a little differently, you know, if those, if Spinat's Oliver too and, and Lopez don't get hurt. So I, I think that Mourinho has to kind of take the same mentality into the conference league. And then if, you know, you get far and you face like a Spurs or whoever the bigger teams are in that tournament, then, you know, you could throw some of the bigger names in. But I think for now you you rotate players and you try to win every match because – like like the guy said, you you build the momentum and you're you're working on the mentality that he's trying to to fix at Roma, you know. And I think that's the difference with Spurs too. You brought up Spurs, uh, Spurs before. Spurs had made a Champions League final the year before Mourinho came in, and then things went sour with Pochettino before it was even Mourinho's team. So I think that run kind of created a mentality there that they they had to win right now. Mm-hmm. Whereas Roma right now is not in a win now mentality. Even Mourinho in his opening presser said, you know, it's going to take some time. Um, which is not something that is usually expected of him with a lot of his jobs. It's usually like we're bringing to Mourinho to win trophies. And I think now it's like we're bringing to Mourinho to create a winning mentality more than anything. No, that's, that's a good point. Um... I just want to piggyback off Steve because that's the thing is, and our fan base is probably the most impatient as well. So yeah. we got to really need to understand that this is going to take some time. We, and I know soccer is like a, what can you do for me now type of sport recently, but in the state we're in, we've got at least a year and a half to two years before we really start to see the wheels kind of kick in under the team and get he gets us to where we want to be. But in the meantime, you got to remain patient. But you're going to see the. I really think once things start to go like a, they stumble a little, I really think the fans are going to be up in arms. No, for sure. How about you, Johnny? You think uh, take it serious or tank it? 
uh, Conference League. I mean, you can just say that, like, hey, we're the I – mean, mind you, it was the Intertoto Cup before, but, like, like, hey, look, we're the first team to win the UEFA Conference League. Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, there's a bit of, I guess, prestige to it, I guess. I, I, if, if Like, I was taking a look quickly. Um, I mean, like, winning team only gets, like, a, like obviously, every game you win, obviously, it, it compounds. But, like, for winning the title, you get 5 million euros as prize money. You know, like, obviously – We'll pay Florenzi's wages with that if he stays on the bench. <laughs> it does obviously mean different things for Roma at that point. It would mean more like we're a team that's capable of competing and mm-hmm. winning any trophy that sh- that we can qualify for. And uh, and I mean, like, it's good for them because I I I don't want to like I don't want to be like misunderstood when I say it's kind of in their competitive range right now. It's more like like it's it's like there are a team that, that that was disorganized they're getting they're getting back into form so i guess the, like you know that they they can perform at this level but they're not at that level yet so this type of tournament can get them back to the performing mm-hmm. at that kind of level get the rust out of the gears i guess is a better turn of phrase to use so um i'm i think they should take it serious every 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 run Coppa Italia the the league title even the conference league they should take it all seriously uh, I don't want to see another seventh place finish. I don't want to. See, I want to see them crack top four again. I think they're capable to crack top four with Mourinho. Um, do I think it's going to happen? Unlikely, but then again, with with a manager like that, I think they might come back to winning ways. Yeah, I just want to correct myself because Ivano Cardone actually called me on. He's right. It's not two Europa leagues. You guys made it to the semis. It was a Champions League and a Europa League. Yeah. And can't believe Di Francesco took you guys to a semifinals of a Champions League because that guy fucking stinks. I'm sorry, man. I know he was great as a swallow. Everybody else tell me because I didn't watch football the last, like, decade completely. And I know people call me out about the swallow. That's great. That was, like, what, seven years ago? The guy is going to get fired first this season. Just off topic here. I know. I think he's not going to last. Um, Where is he? Verona? He's gonna, I he's think gonna, Verona. He's going to ruin that team. They're going to be battling against right uh, relegation. But uh, that's a whole different day, I guess. But uh, one, one thing that shows, Jerry, is what the effect Allison had on that team compared to what Olsen and, and Lopez have done to the team the past couple of seasons. Yeah. 100%. I, that team was swinging and like carry, I, they, they carried Di Francesco during yeah. that season. Like they were really playing well, irregardless of how bad he was tactically. You know what I mean? Like especially against Liverpool. Like you go into you go you go on their home turf and you're trying to high press a team with that much speed. Yeah. We knew it was gonna burn us, and that's where the wheels fell off. You know, so. Yeah, that, that's a good question because I I don't watch a lot of Roma. I just started watching football again, like 2018, 2017, around there, just after they had exited from the Champions League. And what what is the difference between that Roma under Di Francesco and I would say the early stages of Monchi compared to, like, what was the transition? What what shifted? Because it seemed as if Roma was heading in the right direction, I guess, under that era. And then everything just slipped after that season. That off season is when they started off floating everybody, basically. That's like right after that semifinal loss, uh, I think Monchi was just like, let's just cash in on these players while they have high values and try to, I don't want to say play FIFA manager mode, but try to go after younger players that have the potential to become better. You know, and it's it was it basically it was just reinvesting in well besides in Zanzi like younger, more or less younger players, and it was it was poorly done. That and that's what caused it. They broke apart like 
like such a good core and mm-hmm. like i'll say it like you know thank like i even mask can vouch for me you know like like the, about the Nyangolan sale, for example, you know, like unless Daniel is second coming to Christ, which he's turning out to be the second coming to Christ, I'm like, I, I, I think that was one of the biggest pieces that we lost. Like, mind you, Allison is a major piece, but personally speaking, like Nyangolan was the type of player that like he loved to put on the Roma jersey. He had the passion, he had the fire. Like he, he made a big difference with his with his type of grinta in the midfield, his screamers from far. Like that team overall was so good, like with very great underrated pieces. That you just imploded it by just selling everybody, and then that's what caused it. Well, yeah, I, I just asked you guys your, your perspective because I, you guys know better than I do. Yeah, we but, lost a lot of character players mm-hmm, in that offseason. Yeah. The nine goal line hurt me the most. Like you saw, it. he didn't want to go. He really wanted to keep wearing that Roma jersey. Yeah, it panned out that Daniel is that star that we wanted in that deal barring that he remains healthy because that's another story with our club and non-contact injuries over the years but you lost we lost two we lost the nine golans that year um you you ship off florenzi on loan a roma roma born and raised you know and he want he loves to play for that jersey um we got rid of the shoot we got rid of shootman i think as well Strootman, yeah like two matches into the season i think two matches into the season he was out yeah. the door we're getting rid of guys who are proud to wear that jersey and that's what we've been lacking up until now and, and I that's don't what think- i was yeah go, yeah, sorry, no, go, go ahead. ahead i was just go gonna ahead. throw in about Strootman and angle on that that's what i was talking about with Mourinho. we've been missing that fight and that green in the midfield after that that midfield was pulled apart it was them two and de rossi and nobody was you know running through that midfield without taking a hard boot to the, you know, to the, to the shin, if you're going to get by, you know, now it's like people walk through the midfield. Yeah. But, so we have a great like, point. I mean, you started to see it a bit with certain players. I mean, I guess some players were starting to kind of have a change in attitude towards the end with Fonseca because they knew it was kind of, they knew it was going to be mm-hmm. out the door. Yeah. So you're starting to see it with Pellegrini. Like he started to have a good run of form. He was playing hard uh, during a couple of the Europa league games that we were in towards the end. Uh, we had, uh, Cristante, who was like shoving players and really defending our players on our field too. So you're starting to see it, and I think Marino's going to help reinforce that and give that identity back because we mm-hmm. really, really lack that. No one was playing hard. No one was proud to pull on that jersey going into a match day. Now we saw it with a couple of, uh, a couple of people, and we're starting to see it now, even with, like, let's say, Zeko's body change in body language on the field compared to last year under Mourinho now. So, I mean... It's good. I really think we we need that. That's the one thing that's been lacking is though like having those kinds of guys who are proud to wear the jersey. Even El Shrag before we shipped him off to China, mm-hmm. we, gave him, we gave him a second chance because he was bouncing between Milan, Monaco, back to Milan, and then he came to us on loan, and then we finally took him. I mean, Smalling kind of came up. I I think Smalling was not bad at the beginning when we first got him as well. He looked like he he needed a change of scenery, and he was happy to be in Rome. Like we need players who are happy to play for this club. And that want to like play for the club, and I think we're gonna see that with Mourinho. So, I think that's where Lazio kind of benefits compared to Roma, where they have a guy like Stefan Radu who's still there and understands what it means to wear the the crest. Like he chose less money to stay with Lazio and not join Inter. And a lot of Inter fans are like, we don't want a guy who's slow and is thirty four playing a left back, but a guy like that can still outplay a lot of twenty five year olds at thirty four because he's understands how to play the position he's experienced he, he just doesn't have to use his body as as much as other players do because he's positional um lucas leva is another guy who who plays hard and, and understands what it means to be a lazio and, and those are dying breeds really because 
a lot of these players don't understand the history and they just show up and they just play, but don't understand the background. Um, I think that Lazio has Sergei Milinkovic-Savic and, and Trito and Mobile, two guys who are been with the club for a long time and are, are going into that next level where they're becoming, they're going to take over that role of Leva and Radu and have been there. And I think that's what Roma's missing, that that long tenure player. And I think Zaniolo is a good shell where he could be that guy who represents Roma, understands what it means to be a Roma player and, and the, 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 the tradition and, and can carry that torch and start to bring players in and, and show that leadership. I know he's young, but this is a guy who has had two serious injuries, and I think that he's got a lot of character. That's, I, the, that's the guy you look at. If, if I may piggyback off of that, I mean, it's, I don't want to say that every player that puts on the jersey has to be like 100%, I will die for the jersey. You're not going to have that all the time. Like I would love to see if players like okay, you know what? I'm still gonna give my my 100 effort because this is the team. I'm a professional. It's the team I'm playing for. Uh, but it's gonna be rare to find those guys that will die for the jersey nowadays, or even even before. Like it would it would have to be a local kid growing up, like mm-hmm. watching the team that just all of a sudden like now this is your childhood club. Let me let me go and prove it. But I do agree with the Zaniolo thing. I think another reason why it might happen with him is because at Roma, he has the opportunity to be the guy. He has the opportunity to be the face of the franchise, of like, like, like the icon, like, like every advertisement. Like the first player they're going to use for advertisement is Agnolo. Um, And I'm not saying he's egotistical, but especially that he's young, he's going to love that kind of attention. You know, like he's he's obviously going to love the spotlight on him, and I think he flourishes under the spotlight too. And you can see it from his demeanor and the way he plays on the field. I'm not saying that he's a cocky cocky kid but like he knows he's good like his debut goal was just basically like oh like he just freezes the goalie and then just does like a little cheeky chip over him like that's when you can tell like you know what he knows he's good he's gonna he's gonna want that and i love it i love it because it brings an attitude to the team that like not like uh like a like a serious attitude but it's like yeah what's up i got it i you know type of thing so zaniolo can be that guy i hope he is hopefully knock on my plastic laptop, I guess, uh, that he doesn't get any more injuries down the line uh, because uh, he can be the next big star for Roma and uh, it's going to etch his name down in the history of the club. I just want to say one thing. I don't expect 11 guys to... No, to, no I know. No, I don't, I don't, uh, but you want that two guys. Like in the last decade, it's been Sena Lulic and, Zen, and, and Radu who've carried the torch. That's all you need though. Like... Like that's a good shout by Dan Kida. Pellegrini is is one who I saw is rumored to be sold or or or, or is mentioned to be for sale. You don't sell a guy like that, isn't he? Like homegrown or something? For uh, it's like it's like it's like Firenze. Like, we shipped him yeah. off on loan. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they that, ruined Florenzi, man. They, they they put him as a freaking fullback. But, He's not a natural fullback. They, they should have left him <clears> in midfield. That, but that goes back to coaching and management to foster mm-hmm. yeah, those relationships with those players, though. We need that. That's what the freakins, I think, really should focus on. Find those three, four guys that you want as your core and that you want to foster that relationship with, that you want to have there long term. Because with the, with Pilate, you didn't really see that. We, we had, yeah. what, Spalletti, we freeze out the greatest player of all time in our franchise from the roster. The Rossi, too, yeah. towards the end, they sh- he ends up going to Boca. He, he, still had, he still had years to play. And you end up yeah. souring the relationship with two of the more iconic players of, of the club, if not the most iconic players with the club. So the Freakins, I think that's their task now. 
is talk with Mourinho, signal out the players that you want to keep that you want as your bannermen for this club and foster that relationship because previous management soured a lot of those relationships and we can't have that moving forward for the team, especially for the long-term success as well. Yeah, and, and I think the thing is, you know, Roma's lost a lot of Sanatori in the past few years. Like you've mentioned Lulic and these kind of guys, and they don't have to be Roman or they don't have to be Italian, but they just have to mm-hmm. love love the shirt, you know? Yeah, exactly. you know, they De Rossi, they did dirty, even more than Totti. The guy was willing to play in a pay-for-play contract, $100,000 every time he played or whatever. You didn't even have to guarantee 6 million euros or anything at that point and they just let him go and then you know then you know Kolarov goes and Nyangalan goes and Strutman goes and then who's left Florenzi goes it's it's Dzeko who was disgruntled last year and we started to see Pellegrini take on the leadership role as the new captain we started to see Mancini step into that role I think he he can be one of those guys same with Cristante and you know when De Rossi was still there he said about Cristante I'd take 11 of him any day I don't care if he's Roman or not and we even saw in the Euros with Italy that he took on a bit of a leadership role. As soon as Spinazzola got hurt, who's the first one there next to Spinazzola? Yeah, there's the Roma connection, but there's also the leadership that he has, that kind of innate you know, thing. You know, He's not the, the flashiest player, but I think he's someone that – and I think that's why Mourinho's going to like him too. But Roma needs to get these guys to become the next senatori of the team. You know, They're fairly young. Uh, like we said, you know, and now Jekko's like that last guy from that bygone era, the 17-18 team that made the Champions League run or the 16-17 team under Spalletti that set records for points and just happened to run into an unbelievable Juve in the standings. Um, and Zaniolo could be one of those guys too. He's still young, so I don't know if he'll take on that leadership role, but he could become the next star man. Um, but I think they're going to have to start to build up the leaders in the dressing room like the Mancini's and the Cristantes and the Pellegrini's to complement you know, what Mourinho wants. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift off here. I'm gonna answer a question for Ivano Cardone because I'm gonna feel bad if I don't uh, answer him because he's gonna probably think I'm like going against him because he's a Romanisti there. But uh, Aldor Shromadov, if I said his name right, I, I always butcher his name. But Shromadov, what do you guys think about this signing? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Uh, I'm gonna start with you, Johnny. Uh, I like it. It just makes me question about Mayoral's role on the team. Mm-hmm. Like he has a two-year loan spell, and I, I figured out what what the option to buy. And obviously, like they didn't uh, activate it this year because I think maybe they want to see what Marino's going to do with him. But I, I, it creates a competitiveness right now for that for that spot. You know, you have about three guys now that can play in that spot. Like who's going to want him more? I mean, like depth's always good. I'm not saying like like. Like maybe who knows? Maybe Zeko might be at the end of the season. You know what? Transfer me, or I'm out of here. Type. I don't know if his contract runs out at the end of the season. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but that's something like maybe because Zeko's on his way out. Maybe you're gonna go with a one-two punch of Chamorov and uh, Myerall after this. Uh, maybe you might not even activate Myerall's buy clause. You might ship him back. Um, I like it because it creates a competitive fairness. He had, uh, Eldor had what eight goals last yeah. season? Eight on oh my god, my Genoa. Genoa, thank you. I mean, eight goals on Genoa, not that bad considering how Genoa played last year. I think they were finished what seventh, no, 17th, 16th, 17th. I'm scratching my brain here. Genoa, I don't know how um, they finished near the bottom, like in the middle there, like 15th, somewhere around 15 or so, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So, eight goals on a 15th place team. Still pretty decent. I don't think he. I'm not sure. I I can be corrected on this. I don't think he even started every game either. So, um, it's it it shows promise. 
Now, obviously, he's going to get more playing time. He's on a, I guess, on a higher quality team. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, and and competition is always good, especially within the team. If it's friendly and if it helps bring every, if it helps like mentally bring everybody up to a next level, it's only good. It's only good. And like I said before, the Zeko question mark too is also a factor into this. Yeah, I mean the, the Eldor move is interesting because they, I think they splashed about seventeen and a half million euros for him, and they were unwilling to go to twenty for Jaka, which is a guy that Mourinho targeted. Um, his his goal scoring numbers, he came on late last year. He scored five goals in the last six matches, I think, which kind of bumped up his numbers. But even in Russia, they weren't the greatest, which makes you wonder um, what they're you know spending that money on a twenty six year old for. I, I did see his pressing numbers. He does press at a high rate, which is probably something Mourinho is interested in, and he can play across the front three. So there's some potential there, but um, I, I think you, you bring up a good point about Mayoral. I think Mayoral probably isn't the Mourinho-type player, uh, and he could be you know, on his way out after the end of the season. It's interesting that they renewed him if they weren't going to use him much this year because I haven't seen many of the friendlies. I've only seen the Porto match, but from what I've heard and read, he's kind of been started to take a little step to the side, uh, Mayoral, in terms of his minutes already. Um, so it could be interesting to see how they utilize Mayoral going forward if Shamoradov is someone that Mourinho targeted because it seems like Pinto's working in unison with Mourinho and targeting players that Mourinho likes. So it could be interesting. What do you think, Matt? I haven't really seen Shamoradov play. So, I mean, an extra striker in the room can't hurt, especially if uh, Mayoral wants to have his space on the team since he's, he is on loan. So uh, having a bit of a competition between your strikers can only either, it either benefits the team or it could really just not work. So we'll see. But even if, let's say, Marino wants to play a two-striker formation, it helps to have that extra guy mm-hmm. on the bench, right? So, I mean, that's uh, – I can't really say much because I didn't really follow Genoa that much to be able to say anything about Sh- Shamarov. But if, if Mourinho is targeting him, there's a reason, as well, with anyone for a coach, right? So Who would have thought that he's 26 <clears throat> years old, eh? I, I actually yeah. heard this. Yeah, I, I thought I he was younger. I heard this I really on cultural. Can I, I heard this on cultural land actually, mm-hmm. which I haven't I haven't finished it yet. Uh, which Stephen was on actually last week. If anybody was is interested in getting some more background on Roma, by the way, but um, yeah, I, I never listened to that episode, and I didn't know that he was twenty six. And I I personally like this move for Roma. Um, I think he's gonna be the second striker, personally. What do you guys think? I think that Mar. I, I agree with Steven. I think that Mario is, is not a Mourinho player, and he's just there because he's there because of his contract, and he's now on the shit end of it, and might he might I don't know his value might drop after the season, and he well, goes back to his original club. The thing is, is that. If Mourinho wants a player there, there's a reason, right? So I thought Myrell might be one of those guys that kind of gets lost on the wayside mm-hmm. with uh, the whole Mourinho uh, transition because uh, he wasn't a guy that he brought in, right? So we're going to start seeing more how Mourinho wants to kind of shape this team with who he's been bringing. We already saw Vigne come in as the um, the replacement for Spinazzola. And from what I've heard from a lot of the fan base from Palmeiras, they're losing. We're getting a really good player. Mm-hmm. Like the fan base is sad to see him go, which is a good sign, especially if you haven't really watched a player. That's usually a really good sign that you're getting something good coming your way if their fan base is sad to see the player go. Xhaka uh, was the one like really specific target, uh, Rui Patricio as well. So we're going to start seeing who Mourinho wants. And I guess Shamarov at the, uh, coming in as our second striker is another example of that. 
I, I think my raw is gone. I don't think we activate the option to buy. So, I mean, we'll just write it out. Hopefully, he gives his best efforts when he does get his playing minutes. But I, I don't think he uh, he's uh, going to be part of our strike force moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I think next summer with Jekyll coming off the books, hopefully Roma's in a position where they the bet a little bit better financially. They can make a, a heavier investment at striker. For, yeah, or I, I like Skamaka too, but Skamaka yeah. would be a good fit too. But at, at the time, I, I think we were heavily linked with Keen at one point when we were really mm-hmm. looking for a striker at one point. But I think that boat's passing at Everton and what we're seeing right now with the way like English clubs have been with uh, City A teams and getting players, it's going to be too much of a headache and they're going to way overvalue him. So I think Skamaka would probably be the better option. Yeah. And what just to think back, I was just going to say, Jerry, well, Matt said about Vina, who should be announced soon. He was in his 10 day quarantine. I actually have a piece coming out about him. I did some research. The numbers are pretty solid on him. He's a little more balanced than Spinazzola, which could benefit Karsdorp, uh, maybe to free him up more on the right. But I, I think he's a solid signing because, you know, you can't rely on Calafiori at his age to, to carry the left side. So it could be a good signing there too, as I think 23-year-old or so, whatever he is. Is yeah. he from the South American League? He played in Brazil. He's Uruguayan, came up uh, through, I think, Nacional system and then played for uh, Palmeiras. So I was on a pod yesterday. It's called the LFC Transfer Room, and it's strictly just Liverpool. And I got some good background on Leva. And they said a good point. Leva is like one of the very few, if only, like player who's come from the Brazilian league, aka South American, we'll say, and has transitioned to the EPL slash Serie A, where he hasn't played like a Brazilian player. He's managed to adapt to the actual league of how they play. So when you watch Leva play, he doesn't look like a Brazilian player. He plays like a European player where he's positional. It doesn't run all over the place. Um, and and, it's, and I, I kind of find that that's true. A lot of these South American players, they either don't crack it right or they just look out of their out of their form. Like they just can't adapt to it. I'm, I'm curious to see how this guy does. But it was a good point where I, I actually didn't notice that. But well, what about you, Johnny? What do you, what do you think? You think Shromadurov? Fucking just call him who would have thought we signed an Uzbekistani striker? It's just weird to say it. I, I think Roma finally, you know what? If any Roma fan complains about this trans of this signing, they should go shoot themselves in a the foot. Seriously, because you've been this club has complained that they haven't had a striker behind Jekyll for whole loads how long. Now you got fucking three strikers. You try one, you try two, you try three. You got something. You got depth for the first time in the number nine role. You want a 26-year-old. You want to think for the future, too. You don't want a 35-year-old coming over to replace Jekyll. You need something to build on, too, right? Oh, no, for sure. And Roma Twitter's been split, too. It's crazy. Yeah. I, so I, think what, I think what makes people nervous is that his goal-scoring numbers for a striker aren't great, and he's 26, and you're spending almost 20 million euros, and then the resale value starts to come down. So I think people are worried that if he doesn't perform the the value's not there whereas like someone younger you might be able to still break even on because the potential's still there. I think I think that's where the the split is. It's like okay, this guy shows some potential but then others are like well he's already 26. So and he hasn't scored yet and he wasn't scoring a lot in Russia. So what's he going to do in Serie A I think is kind of the concern. But he did come on late in Serie A. You know, he scored a, a brace against Adelanta late in the year. He scored against your boys late yeah, in the year. So. I was going to actually say that he looked amazing yeah. as Lacho where he showed speed. He caught us on the counterattack. I think this guy, think about this. He's playing with a better team up front. Now. Yeah. Like yeah. 
I'm going to be honest, Roma's a much better team than, than Genoa. He's playing, let's just say this, okay? He's playing beside Zaniolo. And Mkhitaryan. Okay, so you got Mkhitaryan on the left. You got you got freaking Zaniolo on the right. You got Aldor in the middle. I think that's a much better upgrade compared to what he had to do with Genoa. But I, I want to hear Johnny because I, I feel bad because uh, he, he's, he's licking his lip there and he's like, I, <laughs> no, I, I got to get on this. dry for some reason and it's bothering me. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, and it's just become a habit at this point. Um, I, I think it's like, it's like I said, it's going to be good. It's, uh, I, I don't have super high expectations and I'm not going to be one of those that are like, ah, you know, we spent a lot of money. Well, mind you, that, like in today's market, 17 million euros in City A's market is a lot, but. Look at the grand scheme of things for a striker at 26 years old. When you see guys like Ben White being sold, like he's not a striker, but still, like a guy like Ben White being sold for 50 million euros, you know, it's it's at the grand in the grand scheme of things, this is actually a small fee. It's just that we're so used to the old days of like 17 million euros was usually for a serious player. Um, and if he ends up actually panning out, and he actually, let's say, he gets 12 to 15 goals this season, like give or take, in in Serie A. If I want to say across all competitions, if he gets 15 plus, I'd be super happy with that. Especially if Zeko's getting majority of the playing time and he's going to be coming off the bench as a as a replacement, or if he's being used as a second striker, or even if uh, he gets the, I don't want to say scrap games here and there. Um, I'd I'd still I still I'd still be okay with it. Um, I think overall it's it's good. The competition is going to be good. Okay, I'm going to piggy bank here. Drew, 34 years old. I don't give a fuck how old he is. That guy can put in a lot of minutes still because the last couple of seasons, he's never had to play heavy minutes for Chelsea. Has always been used more as a rare starter, more of a substitute. He is going to have a great season with Milan. He will adapt to Serie A. He's a big guy. He's physical. I think he'll have a good season with Milan, personally. Um, no shit talk on Giroud here, man. Uh, I, I think I think the guy's a winner. He's won so much championships. And he, I think it's a great sign for Milan, but it's just again, I, I always get off topic my ADD and my uh, tension disorder there. But guys, what happened to Jaka? Because I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Steven, I'm gonna start with you. Like, I thought this guy was coming to, yeah. to Roma, and he was the savior. This is the guy who Mourinho. I want Jaka. Meanwhile, this guy's a lot. He lost his armband at Arsenal. Freaking. It was the walking disaster in the change room, apparently. I think I honestly think that Roma dodged a bullet because this is what you don't want in your dressing room. You got a guy who who kind of like is a circus clown at Arsenal. And I, I just think this is not what you want, con- considering what you said before, what happened with Jekyll last year and losing kind of that, 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 that love for the team, say whatever it was. I think this is – a, a positive move, and you guys saved a lot of money. Love to hear yeah. you. Yeah, so I guess Roma was offering about 15 million euros, is what how the story goes. Uh, Arsenal was looking for somewhere in the 2025 range, I think, and they wanted the cash up front. Roma, not a team that usually splashes cash these days up front, especially with the pandemic. Um, you know, he he was willing to give up his bonus. It seemed like he was coming, he, he wanted to play for Mourinho, Mourinho wanted him, he was Mourinho's number one target. Um, and then just a couple of days ago, Arsenal announced that they were actually going to offer him a renewal to keep him around. And after the last friendly, I think he tweeted out or Instagram or something like it's good to be home or something after playing at 
the Emirates or wherever they were. So it seems like it's it's dead. I don't know if it's just posturing on Arsenal's part, you know, about the uh, extension or not. But uh, it's interesting because, you know, he's not a spring chicken. and He's 28 or so. You know, he's kind of at his prime, probably coming down from his prime. And from what my co-host on our pod, Sean, says, like he plays a similar game to what Cristante can already do. Um, so they're probably not two guys you would play together anyway at times. So I don't know, if, but it's a guy Mourinho wanted, so I trust Mourinho's judgment. Um, but I don't think it's the end of the world to miss out on him. I see they're linked with other names now, like uh, Coop Miners, I think, if I'm saying his name right. from yeah. uh, uh, He's at the same club that Skamaka was at over there. I can't remember which club in, in Holland. But um, they would have to battle Atalanta for him, so I don't know if that's going to happen. But that, to me, would be a much better long-term investment. Uh, on a player, a 23-year-old up-and-coming type player. Um, and then the other one is Delaney. They're throwing around his name now, who's 30 years old. I think you guys were linked to Delaney too, weren't you, Jerry? Um, From I, Dortmund? The no. Midfielder? No. Thomas Delaney? That may have been a late one, but uh, I gave up on our transfer yeah. market because this liquidity ratio can fuck itself, man. I, I'm I'm done. And no, no team in City <laughs> can buy players until they figure out Who's gonna sell players first? Yeah. I don't care who you are. I bet you Roma bought players, and they can't even. They're not registered. I bet you every any player you guys bought are probably not registered because they have to make sales first in order for those players to come in. Everyone's in the same boat. I don't give a shit who you are. So they're all training with these guys that they bought, but they're not even registered yet. It makes me laugh. Yeah. So um, Alkmar, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say his name right, but Sufyan. Um, put in the chat that it was Alkmaar. So that's where it, he's uh, playing. But yeah, Delaney's a 30-year-old guy. So I don't know if those are uh, great moves either for Roma if they can't get Coop Miners. I'd almost stand pat. I don't know uh, what the other guy, two guys think because VR is linked with a move away. I know VR is probably not a Mourinho-type player, but to sell VR to bring in like a 30-year-old, I don't know if that's that's the smartest move either at this point in the midfield. I, I'd almost stand pat, but I don't know what Moss and Johnny think about the midfield. I think we hold if we don't. I, I really don't think we need Jaka because, like you said, they do have a very similar play, play style. Him and Cristante. So we hand, we'll take the younger guy, right, moving forward. Because Jaka is, like you said, twenty eight. He's going to be on the decline of uh, soon. Hold stamp out with Cristante. If we don't get Coop Miners, then I think we roll with what we have. I, I don't really think our midfield is as bad as. No. I don't think it really needs the reinforcements. No. I think our midfield is pretty solid. I think he needs some coaching. Like, Dioaras looked pretty good in the friendlies, and he looked like a, a kind of dead man walking. Like, he'd be with, out the door this summer, Sack, too. Yeah. yeah. So, I think I think we roll with what we have and see what happens. Uh, yeah. I think our midfield is going to thrive under Mourinho if he, if they really get behind him. So, I, I don't really think we need to be spending that that money that we don't have right now. To touch upon Diawara, like, because as I stated before, I also support Napoli. In his Napoli days, he was one of the better passers and one of the more underrated passers under the Saudi system. So he has that. He has that ability. I think uh, Steve said it perfectly. It was the Fonseca system just didn't suit him. You know, like he wasn't being utilized. He's. I feel like as if he actually hasn't had a fair shot. Um, so I think I fully agree with that. I agree with Mass. I say we stand pat. I I don't think our mid's pretty bad at all. Honestly speaking, I think it's it's obviously not the the, the best mid in the world, but you, you could argue it's better than Juve's mid, midfield. I mean, like it's, it's, it's got quality. It's got, it's got intelligent players. Um, We've seen flashes. So yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Last year before he got injured, I was, I'm really high on him. Like before he got injured, better too. Like I think was MVP for the team until, until pre, pre, uh, pre-injury. Like he was, he was a man on fire. He, he really flourished. And 
I think under Mourinho, he might actually do even better. So um, I, I, I have high hopes for them. And I mean, like Zaniolo himself, flexibility that he offers, you know, you can put him on the right, you can put him in the mid, you can put him anywhere. Like if you, if you end up using him in the midfield, that just makes it so much better. Like it, we're in a great position uh, in terms of midfield. Xhaka would have been great, but I agree. Not it's, I don't want to say it's a bullet dodge, but cause I want to say that he's, he's, he's shit or too bad. But it's it's not it's not a big it's not a big loss. It's I think with, loss. I think with the age it's kind of like a step down of what we have with Cristante because I think it's the age that kind of would worry me more than anything at twenty eight and to spend that kind of money on someone to do exactly what Cristante is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like what David said, I agree with though. I, I liked VR last year, and I think it's unfortunate if he's not going to be part of Mourinho's plans. But I think he he was starting to show signs. He was a, a bit inconsistent, but the flashes that we saw were great. Like I'm looking down in the comments there, and I agree with David. Um, Dan said uh, Patricio's our best move. I agree. We needed a we need a goalie who's we need sure hands at the back, and I think Patricio is going to give that for us. I mean, like it's a better option than Olsen, right? So <laughs> how long is yeah. contract? A- anything. I, I think long? it's a three year contract, right? Is it three years, so, Patricio? I, I, I'm not sure. Let me double look. Do you I, think I want to? I want to ask you guys a question now. So you have it seems that Olsen's still under contract. I guess I'm looking at yeah. transfermarket.com. Yeah. Oh my god! They're trying to move him to France still. Holy yeah, shit, I man. think that, I think something they hit a snag in the dealings with Marseille, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Lopez went Lil. to Marseille on loan. Um, okay, it is a so, three-year contract. Lil, Lil. Three-year Lil. contract. So here's the thing: if Lopez has a bad year. He comes He's back. back. Yeah. And then this they're they're a, in the same boat again with yeah, like that's with what I was gonna say. You're in a you're back at square one where you got all these wages you're taking on again. Like you're hoping that he goes on loan. And that's why we're Lacho, if they loan out Vidat Marichi, they don't want to loan him out. They want a straight obligation to buy mm-hmm. because they know that if he yep. goes on loan, they're gonna be screwed. They don't want to be in the same situation that Roma's in where they're giving out these loans and they come back. And Lice is in the same predicament. Johnny going on loan and shitting the bed. Dermisi, what a waste of money that guy's been since Real Betis. I think Paul Lopez was uh, an obligation to buy. I think he's got to play a certain number of matches or something. Yeah. It kicks into it. But, yeah, that's the problem. I mean, Under, you know, has gone out alone a couple times. Kluivert, now it's, you know, Olsen. They need a... Uh, I think Olsen was supposed to be a permanent move before it fell apart. It was only like six million or something, but it's still better than having money. Yeah, exactly. You know, look, and and Zonzi's back. You know, the Florenzi situation is an interesting one because apparently he he doesn't want to stick around, which you can't blame him in many ways. I don't know if Mourinho can convince him otherwise or if he wants to convince him otherwise. But, you know, then you have that situation with him because his wages are high. And then Pastore. So. That that's where all the poor management from the um, you know Monchi contracts and the Pelota era come. You know you're you're paying for them now because you're paying these guys. And yeah, you could freeze out Pastore and Fazio from the team, and they might never play this season, but you're still paying them. And it it handcuffs what Pinto can truly do in the market. You know if if there's Roma fans who are upset about Shamoradov and they would have rather seen you know Belotti come in or somebody like that if Jeko had left. You, you can't afford it because the you're paying these wages. There. Yeah, no one can afford it. And then here, here's how I look at it: these guys are are overvaluing these players way too mm-hmm. much. You, you bought Vedat Mariki for twenty million. I want fifteen million back. Why? Because you don't want to look like an idiot and lose all your money. Yeah, you also um, have to cover the amortization of the transfer because what they do is they break the transfer fee over the length of the contract. So 
if Patricio's getting paid, I think they paid eleven million for Patricio, and he's getting on a, like two and a half million. You break that down, you're actually paying him closer to like six million a year when you break it out the transfer fee on your book. So it's like it all adds up. These guys are just overvaluing, trying to get more than what they're worth. And, and, and it screws them in the end because then they don't even sell the player when they could have made something for them. Mm-hmm. And is in the same boat. As much as we say that Roma's done bad business for the last five years, what are they done? is no better because we've had a, a lot of bad sales. And now we're trying to bank. Here's the problem now. We have six guys who we can't sell for peanuts. And we have one guy where we can make $35 million. But we know no one's going to pay $35 million, but they're going to do whatever they can to get $35 million. It's just like a, a seesaw battle here. But what I was going to ask is how do you find – and I know that – hold on. Yeah, sorry. How impactful will the loss of um, Spinozola be for, for Roma? Because and, – and, and I want to piggy bank as a part two, two – two-part question. Do you think that Roma will be able to overcome the loss of a Spinozola because – you get Zaniolo back, which is a positive. Then you lose a Zaniolo in a way on the back end. But who did they sign? You said Stephen uh, Matias Vigna from Palmeiras. Now, you you've already elaborated on that. He's he's actually a, a really good player. Do you think that this can equate to a problem in the long term, given how much they paid for him plus his wages? Or do you think this is just a good backup plan and something for the future where they can still build off two good players? Yeah, I mean, the Spinazzola loss is going to be big. He was one of Roma's most important players last year, pushing the left flank. We saw the same thing with Italy. Like, manager's game plan for him. You know, Di Lorenzo turned into like a makeshift third uh, center back so that Spinazzola could just run roughshod down the left side. He was kind of doing the same thing for Roma last year, and I'm sure Mourinho would have utilized him similar the way he used to use Mike Cohn down the right for his inter teams, where he would have one fullback really just bomb forward. Um, Vina, from what I've read, uh, you know, he's a Uruguay starting left back. They're a pretty defensively sound national team, which speaks to how he can defend. That team, I think, gave up two goals the whole Copa America, and they made the, I think, quarterfinals or semifinals. So not a bad signing. I think it's a good investment long-term because I think he's 23. They paid like 11 million euros. And if Spinazzola misses six to eight months, like with an Achilles, you probably do, especially a speedster like him. He's probably the starter for most of the year if he transitions well from South America. There's always, like you mentioned, though, there's always that, uh, you know, chance that he might not transition very quickly. And then, you know, it falls to Calafiori a little more playing time, which might not be the end of the world against some of the lower table teams or in the conference league. But I think the the, the player it might hurt in the long run is Calafiori because if Spinazzola makes it back by like November, December, like he's targeting. And then you have Vina as his backup. Where's the minutes for a young player like Calafiori, who's 19 and is one of Roma's best prospects. So it, it's it's interesting, but they had to make a move. It's a better move than some of the names that, are, that were being thrown around for the kind of money they were throwing around. You know, like Alex Tellis, they wanted on loan, which would have been fine. But Man United was like, no, you got to pay for him. And there's no point in paying for like a, a guy like him at this point. Um, Emerson was too expensive. So like you were talking about the English clubs, the way they're dealing with Italian clubs before is put up or shut up. And the Italian clubs don't have the money to, to put up, you know, whereas city's ready to splash hundred million euros on Kane after they just spent a ton of money on somebody else, you know? So, um, I, I, you know, I want to be not back as soon as possible. I'm, ho- I'm just hoping that Vigna can hold down the left back as a balanced left back, defend well enough and whatever offense he gives you as a bonus. And then, 
hopefully Karsdorp can pick up some of the slack on the right because he's got a good offensive skill set and was kind of not as offensive as he could be last year because Spinazzola was so offensive on the left. Okay. How about you, Johnny? Well, yeah, well, I mean, like, I think in the, in the case of Spinazzola, I want him to do, like, what Zaniolo did, take the extended yeah. prime, take, like, especially that's, what, this second or third time this type of injury happens to him? Please correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's third, the, third non-contact, but I think it's his first Achilles. I know first Achilles. Achilles. Yeah. Okay. Nonetheless, <laughs> like, he's he, – the, the poor guy's legs overall have just been taking beatings upon beatings in terms of injuries – Take the time to fully come back. Uh, if you need to strengthen it, strengthen it. If you need to adjust to it, do it. I think it shouldn't be rushed, especially if a guy like Vina is coming in. And it's good. It, and that. And what Steve brought up, it br- brings up uh, a perfect point. Calafiori is not, not going to cause conflict there. He'll get his playing time in the minor game, so to speak. Vina is going to be the starter, and Spinazzola, Spinazzola can feel comfortable. Okay, they're in good hands on the left side. I can take the time to get back in proper form because rushing back from an injury. Yeah. Like you obviously want to be there for your club. Yeah. You know, you're dependent on player and stuff, but it just ends up hurting the team more in the long run than it does helping them. You know, we've seen Zaniolo rush coming back from an injury. We're all super excited to see it. And then like a couple of games later has to go back and for another surgery. It's um, given the situation, uh, I, I like it. And I don't think it's going to cause any issues this season. Uh, Maybe towards the, towards the end of the season, maybe Spinazzola comes back. I hope he doesn't come back by December if he's rushing it. I really do. Yeah. Take, I really do hope that he takes that extended time into maybe February, March, if he needs to. You know, enjoy the winter break and everything. And uh, I think um, the thing that could help him take his time is the World Cup 2022 is a Winter World Cup and not mm-hmm. a June World Cup, where he can si- kind of say, "I don't need to rush back to get ready for the World Cup in June. I can yeah. I can take my time." Maybe. Good point. Good, Good point. point. How about you, Mass? What do you think? Yeah, um, he should take the time. Uh, you don't want to rush non-contact injuries, especially with the track history our Roma's had in general with them. So I know he said he's aiming for December, November, December, somewhere in that range. Uh, I'd rather you take the extended uh, the extended time to heal properly. I think they'll be fine with Vina and Calafiori for the time being rotating. Um, and like, like Steve said, like it is a Winter World Cup. And he doesn't have to worry about his spot not being solidified on that squad. If he comes back healthy and close to what he, how he did in the Euros, he'll slot right in for Italy's national team. So I'd rather he takes the time so he has an impact, a proper impact with the club, and to be able to kind of like help Italy make a deep run as well in the World Cup since it's further down, further down the line versus in the the summer. And then I'll I'll find I'll I'll finish it off with this. And I'm going to go based on, I hate this. I know a lot of people hate this question is how do you expect Roma to do this season? And we're going to go on the basis of just saying that the season ended today and there was no other moves. So are you content with your team? Because we don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 days. And we don't know what's going to go through training, who gets cut, who does it. So I'm just going to go on the basis of the present moment. Do you feel that Roma is good enough to finish near the top of the table, or does this team still have a lot of work to do? I'll start with you, Johnny. Uh, work to be done. Uh, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a terrible transfer window because I think uh, over the over the course of the discussion, we we underlined the point that 
some of the moves that were not made can be better off for the team than some of them than, than actually doing them. Uh, some 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 needs were addressed. Um, I feel like as if uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a growing season. I realistically, if I'm taking like like I'm on the fence, but I feel like as if they finish fifth this year. I think they just missed top four by just like maybe maybe a, a point or two. I don't think uh, they have enough just yet to be back in the the Champions League type of contention, but uh, I don't expect us to do worse than seventh like we did this past season. I think uh, I think a fifth place finish might be in the cards for Roma. How about you, Matt? Do you think another treat's coming home? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm tampering my expectations as always. You know what I mean? Like I I don't want to be that fan that you obviously want you want to see your team fucking swing for defenses, you know. Um, but I really think, uh, I'm going to go in with my, like, no, no expectations. Um, it's going to take some time. Like this is going to be a project for Mourinho. We need to, as a fan base, need to understand there's going to be some growing pains. It's going to take some time. I don't see the team making the top four, but I definitely don't see us finishing seventh again. I think we're somewhere within the five, six range. If we finish top four, I'll be more than happy, but I don't think it's a realistic goal. How about you, Steve? I, I think the potential's there to finish fourth, but I, I can't really say until I see the team on the field with Mourinho, you know, everybody back from the summer holiday, you know, Cristante just getting back into some of these guys. And I know we're saying theoretically if the window ended yeah. today, but it's not, you know. So it depends because other teams haven't really improved much. You know, like Atalanta improved with Musso, but then they're selling Romero. So are they any better than they were? You know, Juve will probably get Locatelli in the end. They don't have him yet. So I, I think exactly. nobody else has really made themselves much better yet. Um, you know, so if the, if the table's as wide open as it was last year for fourth place, you know, Roma was right in the mix until they had that awful spell when they had that those injuries. So, I mean, I think if Mourinho does what he wants, they can push for fourth. Um, but I would be shocked if they finish lower than fifth or sixth. That's why I wanted to we, we reword it differently because it's just – a theoretical question. I, yeah. and I, yeah. I hate how people say, how do you think they're going to do next season? Well, there's still another month to go, but it's just a theory, right? I'll, I'll, I'll reconvene later on in a month and ask you again and then get a better answer. But um, I, I actually want to ask you guys this. I know that I said last question before, but I always have these things in my head. Mourinho, does he get fired this season or do you think he lasts a season? <laughs> and I know everybody asked on every pod and I like it because I'm just curious we all know how Mourinho is. I, I don't know personally what to, to consider, but um, I, I it, you would hope that Roma was patient to give him at least a season and a half. Yeah, yeah no, I don't, I don't think, uh, especially given his pedigree, it's not going to be like he's not playing in the prem where in Tottenham the yeah. pressure was always constantly on. You know, like it's like even if you're a tenth place team in, in the prem, like the pressure is still constantly on you. Uh, I think. I think they know that Roma's a project and that's what he wants to undertake. I, I, I will play the lottery if the guy actually ends up getting sacked this season. Cause I don't think so at all, at all. I think Mourinho actually stays for maybe, maybe two, three years. I, I'm hoping well, three. I'm hoping three. I don't think he's going to just jump for a year and then jump ship. I actually think he actually takes his time for Roma. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I, I, I'd say there's no way he gets fired this year. I mean, there would have to be some kind of massive blow up in the dressing room for him to get fired, uh, some okay. kind of player revolution, which I don't see happening with the players they have there and the the, the the mentality he's building. 
I, I think the Friedkins hired him with the goal of him finishing the three years. I think they're trying to build something. You know, Fonseca wasn't their man, and that's why it was so easy to get rid of Fonseca when they did. Um, and, and I think they're looking to build something. You know, the fact that he said it's going to take time in that press conference makes me think he plans on being here for a few seasons. You know, he's got that track record where it's, you know, jump from one place to the next recently. But I think the pressure is a little less. As, as much as Rome is a cauldron at times, I think it's less pressure than Tottenham or United mm-hmm. or some of these teams. And I think the Freethians have a plan in mind. And I don't think they would have brought him in if their plan was to have him here for one season because they're not a win-now club right now. How about you, Mass? I, just the way the Freakins kind of dealt with that situation and kind of sprung it on a, on the on the team, I don't think he gets fired this season. These, this is the guy they, they want. So he knows it's a project. He's got a lot to prove, especially with the, his current uh, track record. And like, like Steve said, unless something really happens in the changing room, which I doubt, there's no way he gets fired this season. They, he knows he said it like you see the way he talks to the press it's gonna take time he, he he makes everyone understand that if the fans understand that or not is another story but i think with management this is the guy he wants i think he makes it through all three years and i think we sign it we extend oh, wow. them depending what happens I, I think this team needs continuity that's what it yeah. needs it, it needs yeah it, we need it no more caretakers yeah you you don't yeah i even see the same issue with with napoli where they need to stick with Spalletti. You went from sorry, from sorry you went to Gattuso, no you went to Ancelotti, from Ancelotti you went to Gattuso, from Gattuso now you've gone to Spalletti. Now Roma and and, and Napoli are kind of similar where they've gone from manager to manager to manager in the last four seasons. You need to stick to a game plan for three seasons and, and build something long term. I well, think I you need a foundation. Yeah, the I foundation was two years. It wasn't like as if he was like a a year thing and that was it. It was two years. It was just. Who, I, I'm talking okay, about that you said for like you went to touch upon Ancelotti and Napoli. Ancelotti wasn't like rapid fire, you know what I mean? He was like, gone he after went, a year and a half, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, he like, was gone, you know, what I mean, it's still it's, it's too quick, man. Like, you need two, three. Look at okay, look at Simone Inzaghi. He she stood five years, but look what he did in five years. He built a foundation. I know that it's not comparable to other teams because of their for their money and everything, but he's he left sorry. In a position to take over, and it's not bad. Um, look at Juventus. They had Allegri for such a long time. He created a foundation after Conte. Um, yeah, but he need... also inherited after Conte, though. He inherited it. No, he did. You're right. But that's what I'm saying. You, you're inherited, but you're still – there's a foundation. He didn't get fired after a season. He he continued the ship. He he rolled the ship and didn't blow it up. You, you need somebody to come in ride the ship and, and, and steer it in the right way. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Uh, and even from a market perspective, you look at what Mourinho's inheriting and Pinto's inheriting. Yeah. If you want to build a team in Mourinho's image, you need to give him at least a couple of years to clear the yeah. dead weight and yeah. have Pinto have a chance to bring in a couple of players that he wants to fit his mold. Yeah, they have to understand that. we got to clear a lot of deadwood from the previous administration. So it's going to take time. And if we got to be patient. That's, that's the best I can say. So. Like, I, like, as much as we hate Latito and how cheap he is and the kind of person he is, I respect him for being patient with Nzaki in the early years, and, and, and it paid off. It kind of got impatient at the latter, but that, that was always going to happen in the fourth, fifth season, and it's going to happen with Mourinho maybe in the third season, or if it doesn't start to pan out and things don't happen, you're, you're going to start to hear the rumbles. But 
Lastly, and it's my last question. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Zaniolo. I don't think we actually touched upon his injury. Coming back after two significant injuries, do you think – how does Roma manage him? I think that they have to kind of manage his minutes. You don't go guns blazing and, and just overuse him at the start. I think you got to manage his games. You don't start him – Champions Europa League or champ or Conference League, and you play him on the Sunday. You got to be careful because it's a significant injury. He's had two now. Um, Matt, what do you think? Uh, you kind of saw it, I think, in the first few friendlies where you see he wants to make that run like he's used to, and he kind of like holds up with the ball. But it's going to come down to the player to kind of get back into it because you always have that at the back of your mind when you have a significant mm-hmm. injury. Like you're not going to always go a hundred percent because you're worried right especially that it's so soon that it happened between the two of them they're gonna have they're, they're gonna have to manage him um i think he understands because he did take that extended break to really heal up properly for the city last season instead of rushing to get back for the euro so i think he understands what's in store for him for himself so i think uh i think he'll be fine um but like i said we just got to be careful and i mean there's got to be something something wrong at Trigoria that we got our guys or Villa Stewart where our guys are going down with non-contact injuries so often. So the ironic thing we... though is Zaniolo and Spinazzola both went down with the national team. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> which know. Which is the crazy thing. Which is crazy. But yeah, I, it's it's just a trend with with yeah. Roma. I mean, I think Florenzi as well with a couple of non-contact injuries. Like 20 uh, ACLs or something. Yeah, what was the, the like 20 ACLs yeah. within like nine years or something? It's insane. Like, it, it's insane. Well, so, yeah, that's actually a good point you said there. That's a great point you said there, Steve. I actually didn't think about that. Yeah. I didn't. Zaniolo went down in that Nations League stuff at the beginning of the season Fucking before Steady Ivan kicked off last year. Yeah, useless. Which were they playing at the Olympico? Because that would be even funnier. No, I think they were no. playing at the Olympico. It was no. somewhere out in Europe. I don't know. Some fucking until Italy wins another trophy, though, Jerry. If they win the trophy, yeah. then maybe it won't be useless. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. (laughs) It's true, actually. It's funny how how you say that. If we don't win the trophy, it's useless. But if you win it, you're like, yeah, this is great, man. I I love the Nations League. I won a trophy anyway. It's like the CONCACAF had it, too, this year, and it was useless until the U.S. beat Mexico. Then it felt real good to beat Mexico. Uh, U.S. Twitter went all crazy. You're like, wow, really? I saw saw someone tweet, like, the international treble. Italy, uh, someone was, like, half Argentinian, half Italian living in the States. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. No, what do you think, Johnny? Do you, does does how how would you go? I mean, have his Instagram stories. The guy's been training like a bee. Yeah, it's freaking legs are a massive. lot of size to him. Longer. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that he's. I don't. I wouldn't call him a twig before, but he's definitely gained some. I guess some muscle for him. Uh, I think he's confident. I think he's he's trying to show like, no, no, guys, I can play the games. But I like the idea of like ease him into it don't play uh don't like don't play on during the weekend and play on a sunday pick either or pick your battles see what what's more important i don't think they play him early on in the conference league i think if they do actually make it on to like let's say the elimination rounds that okay we'll start using zaniolo we'll start using a bit of our star power and and that comes later on this season so like if it starts off that you only play zaniolo on the sundays you know just, just use him once a week let's say and then come winter time, come early spring, okay, now you can start using him twice a week. It's a good transition because, like, if he's been consistent for once a week, let's say, they play him tw- twice a week or whatever, it's good. Obviously, when it comes to international breaks, that's a whole different factor because now uh, 
Mourinho as a manager doesn't have the say in when he wants to use Zaniolo. It comes more down to, um, oh my God, Mancini. I don't know why I blanked out there for a second. My brain just did the Windows XP restart noise. <laughs> but uh, I, I say use him sporadically. Use him sporadically once a week uh, just to start off with, see how it goes. Uh, but I have confidence that uh, that he's he's coming back with a vengeance. And I think uh, I think he's uh, not going to knock on wood not gonna be hurt for a while <laughs> i don't care if he plays for roma like i never want to see a guy go down like that um they're young they're, they're professionals you, you it doesn't matter if you're you there is that derby kind of hatred for me i i, I like to see zaniolo come back 100 i'd like to see spinozola come back 100 not just roma who they represent they represent italy as well as a whole exactly. so you, these guys are human I, I think some people just take it a little too serious and say die and all that crap. And it's like, bro, they're just players. I understand there's the whole rivalry, but at the end of the day, it, it, they, they, they just go on the field and do what they can to help their team win. And they're just a professional. It's like us going to work basically as well. So yeah. I hope, I hope they're 100% because um, Roma needs it to, to get better. That's 100%. And I think that, and it's a good. I'm gonna say it's a good shot by David Amayo on Calcio on Calcio Land that it, it it probably is the biggest signing of the summer, Zaniolo in a way yeah. because he didn't play last summer and, and it's a good shot by him because like he only played what the, he didn't even play a game. He didn't actually. play. He didn't play a match for Roma last yeah, year because he, he got play. hurt right before the season. I mean, it, you make a great point that David brought out. He's he's arguably could be one of the top five players in the league, attacking players if if he's fully fit and reaches what the potential he has. The shame of it for Roma is they just can't get all their best players in the field at one time. Like Moss was saying, every year there's somebody. It's Spinazzola's hurt before the season starts. Like if you had Spinazzola and Mkhitaryan and and Zaniolo, then maybe the attack can really function and and really scare people. Now it's like you're down already Spinazzola, but I you know going back to Zaniolo's playing time, I think you have to manage him. You know if you're playing. Conference League, Fiorentina Conference League in the first week and a half. Skip the Conference League for him. You know, let the other guys handle that. Let Carlos mm-hmm. Perez play the right wing, and you should still be able to beat Trezbanis for the other team, whoever you might play. Um, and then, you know, in week two, if you play Salernitana, I think is who they play week two, you don't even need to start Zaniola. You could play him as an impact guy off the bench if for some reason you're struggling to score a goal. I think, you know, Roma doesn't have a big match after Fiorentina, if you want to call that a big match, the way Fiorentina's been of late until they play Lazio. And I think week seven is the first, you know, big seven team they play. So they can certainly manage him the first bunch of games to really get him up to speed. And I think the same has to go for Mkhitaryan and Karsdorp and all these guys, you know, you've got guys with injury histories that need to be managed if you're playing on three fronts. No, for sure. Um, I think that's all I have for, I think we covered a lot with Roma and, uh, Side thing, Jorge Rodriguez uh, has joined in, and I'm going to say give him a shout. League On starts this weekend, and uh, I know this is a City Out podcast, but I respect League On. And for anybody who, who's interested in watching some some football that's starting up, the Belgian League started two weeks ago. Um, the championship starts this Friday as well. It's Bournemouth versus uh, West Brom. And then you got uh, – I, I don't know who starts for League On on Friday, but um, – 
for anybody who's interested, Leon plays on Saturday. You got PSG playing Saturday. I'm actually curious to see how PSG does with that uh, million-dollar roster. I hope they choke to death because um, <laughs> they make me sick to my stomach. And another side topic, guys, Locatelli is not joining Juventus this summer. I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that ship has sailed way gone, and it's just going to be the same story every day. But um, – Oh, Monaco versus Nantes. There you go. Friday at 2.45. But uh, there you go, Jorge. I give you some love for your uh, league on. And I'll watch the game on Saturday so we can bring you on and we can talk about Leon. And I know Alex is watching. Um, guys, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, great insight. Great background on Roma. Um, Steven, you always cover Piazza de Tati. Great. Mass, you always chirp on... That piece of shit, Gary Neville, great, and uh, you keep keep roasting him and Johnny with the Calcio, the Calcio guys. Great work there, but guys, let let everybody know where, where they can follow you. Go ahead, Steve. All right, so I, I write for kiasdtoti.com. I'm on Twitter at uh, CDT is my handle. We've got a lot of preseason coverage coming out. Positional preview started today. Our under twenty three countdown starts next week, and then before you know, we'll be back to the match day coverage in just about a, two and a half weeks. Nice. How about you, Mass? Uh, I'm at Mass148 uh, on Twitter uh, for all things, like Jerry said, uh, harassing Gary Neville and his uh, disrespect towards the Italian national team, all things Roma, um, and uh, that's pretty much it. How about you, Johnny? I just want to say uh, the Chiesa de Tati, I want to back them up on that. Great. Uh, if you're a Roma fan, great page to follow. Especially Definitely. I love it when they go back and forth with Viola Nation. It's always fun <laughs> to get in as the third. Just uh, have fun with it. Um, you can find me at uh, Janny Rules 27. Rules is R-U-L-Z 27. I made it when I was seven years old for my Hotmail account. It's been the same way ever since. Uh, if not, you can also follow me or my podcast with my cousin and uh, – and uh, my friend Adriano at uh, the Calcio guys. Um, we, we, we cover City as well. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me on, on Instagram or Twitter, or as well as the Calcio guys on Instagram, Instagram or Twitter. Nice, guys. Nice. Dan Kida. No one cares about Liga MX. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You can follow me at jmancini8, um, Calcio Connection, Calcio Com Pod. And the great, infamous Alex Donnell, at Alex Donnell. Um, he is in the background somewhere watching us, but I think that he'll come on any second just to close it off. And there, there is not a picture of him. Be- oh, there he is. There he is. Like there the is. Wizard of Oz where they find the wizard at the end. Kind of thought that was Mr. Clean for a second there. Wow. It could be, right? I wanted wow. to look more like Johnny. <laughs> oh listen yeah i was uh you know dealing with some stuff at home but i had you guys on in the background the entire time everything sounded fantastic i learned a lot about roma and i've also learned that jerry can do my goddamn job like i, I don't I, I feel a little bit unnecessary now because jerry uh, jerry you did such a good job moderating and leading everything man you have uh you're becoming a rock star sir uh, i just knew how bad Roma is, so I, so I knew what to talk about. No, I'm joking, but uh, I guess it's easier when you know what you're, what, what you have to say. And, and I'm like you, man. I don't make questions. I make questions on the spot. That's I, I can't prepare for shit. 
I can't, I can't, I'd rather spend a half an hour writing an article than spending a half an hour preparing a pod. Um, Stephen, I, I guarantee you probably put a lot of time into your pod and, and, and prepping it. Uh, God bless you for doing that because I, I just don't have the time. I, I learned from Alex just to wing it now. Uh, it just makes, I don't know, I just ask you guys whatever you want to talk about. This is cultural connection, guys. This is free flow, talk about, swear, do what you want to do because okay. because I find that I'm, I'm not that there's anything wrong with it. I just find myself that it's just much easier and you go by the flow. But I, re- I also respect pods who, who have to like have a structure and format and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone has their own way of doing things. So I, I guess I just being with Alex for over a year now I, I, and him being in radio, radio, it, it just becomes a routine now. So I've learned so much from him and, and I credit the worst. I, I, uh, no, I credit Alex because he's so good at it and, and he makes it seem so effortless. So I don't know how he does it so perfect, but everyone has their own way of doing things. So I have no, no dis, like no disrespect to anybody. It's just the way I do. But hey, I guess if I didn't write, I probably would care more to put more time into it and, and actually think about what to do. So <laughs> honestly, I, I, at the beginning, I was like that. But I guess when you when I when I write 500 articles a week and I leave them in the backlog and don't even submit them out, it's like. But I, I would have liked to write a Roma piece for you, Stephen, for Kiosa Di Totti, but I can't because the last time I did that for John's, and not because I not not I know people are gonna say, "Aren't you allowed to a fan?" The last time I did that. I got shit on so bad by Lazio fans. I was like, "Fuck it, abort." I was like, "Abort, man," because like we'll get you for the Lazio Q and A before the Derby again. That yeah, way you can talk about your own team. Yeah, yeah that's probably but the best way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, sorry, guys. I know I'm rambling on. Just last thing: how, how did you guys feel about USA winning Mexico yesterday? Because I know that Stephen kind of someone mentioned that before. I lost I actually, the bet on that. Yeah, I bet on Mexico. I'm a traitor to my country. Bet on wow. Mexico. Bet on Mexico. We got screwed over versus Mexico. We got screwed. Yeah. We yeah. didn't watch the game. God bless you. It's not the Montreal screw job. It's the Mexico yeah. screw job. But, uh, I, tuned, I tuned in the last uh, when they had the stoppage because of all that injury time because of the fans' homophobic chance. Yeah. And I saw I saw, I saw them score that last minute uh, in injury time. I, I was gutted for the, the Canadian team. Hey, no David, no Davies, no. Lo- and they still Lo- took Lo- it to Lares. Mexico's A team, so figure that yeah, out. Yeah, right? no, like, we'll- mind you, Mexico didn't have Lozano, but still, yeah. like, just the yeah. fact that we're able to compete. Buchanan debuted, not be debuted, but he showcased that he's actually really good. I think he's probably real deal. Um, I think Canada is much deeper than I, have, I initially thought, and they can ever I, remember in terms of soccer for the oh, men's. I don't think so. ever. I think honestly, this has probably been our most promising roster in the longest time. Even I would say even better than the 2000 Gold Cup winning team. Like I just like right. we've been the team that even qualified for the World Cup and what was it '86? Uh, uh, Canada actually won. we didn't win a game. We didn't even score a goal. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think actually I'm confident for World Cup 20, uh, 2022. I'm confident. I think we could finish uh, uh, in the top four. Or, the Gold Cup sucks. Players. It's the fucking worst thing ever, man. I spent ten bucks to get the app to watch the games. The only games I watched two. I said, "Why did I get this piece of shit app?" Because it's the worst. Um, 
some Canadian soccer app. I don't know. They show all the oh, Canadian games. So like, that just sounds like a rip off. It's a big rip off, man. And I was like, fuck, why do I even buy this thing, man? But yeah, like, I mean, Fox Sports carries it here in the States. So everything's on TV. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't oh, watch a lot of it. Man. I watched like bits and pieces yeah. of some of the earlier US games. And I watched terrible, the whole match man. last night. But like, that was the US's like B minus team. Like, that wasn't any right. Pulisic or any of those guys. They beat yeah. the shit out of Mexico with that team in the Nations League. Uh, you right, know, exactly. two months ago. So they, they like, brought, and Mexico had, I think they said eight of the eleven starters from that match, and the U.S. Yeah. had like three. So it was impressive, and it's always fun to be Mexico as a U.S. fan. So two wins against <laughs> Mexico this summer is pretty good. Italy and the U.S. both hoisting trophies after missing the World Cup three years ago felt pretty nice. But did you see the U.S. women? They got they got beaten by Canada. Yeah. Finally, we 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 we've slayed the dragon. Claire, get that goal. again. Like you, you guys are going to understand now why people call me a terrible American. I actually thought that that was kind of cool. And whenever I say like, "Oh, I'm I'm sort of happy that the U.S. women's national team lost," people will assume that, "Oh, is this guy MAGA? Is this guy like some kind of an <laughs> asshole who doesn't believe me?" <laughs> well, you are from Florida. We don't. <laughs> no, I, I am none of those things. But hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. For the U.S. women's national team to be as dominant as they've been since the 1990s with Mia Hamm, it's like they wreck opponents historically. That No mercy. They've been beating teams 6-0, 8-0, 10-0. I don't think the team from Thailand recovered from like the 19-0 beam <laughs> put on them in the last World Cup. It's like I want the rest of the world to catch up because this dynasty of women's national team, U.S. women's national team soccer – they are so many levels above everyone. It starts to get boring, guys. And I root for them. I root for that team. I think it's going to be more exciting when they respond, like to see how they respond to getting eliminated from an Olympics because I'm a big USA basketball fan, okay? And they had to have adversity in 88 in order for the 1992 Dream Team, which was the greatest Olympic team of all time, to even come about, right? They had to have adversity – in 2004 and lose the gold medal before the 2008 redeem team in Beijing went and dominantly won the gold medal. So I really believe that a USA women's national soccer team that has become complacent over the years, because this group have won everything. They've won world cups. They've won Olympic gold medals. Like there's nothing that they, that they haven't won. They probably become a little bit arrogant and complacent and they get the reality check. Now I want to see how much stronger they come back. Plus I want to see how much the rest of the world has closed the gap because women's soccer around the world cannot be truly accepted as the amazing sport it is if one team is kicking every other team's ass 6 nothing every game. We need more parity in women's soccer. I'm happy we're getting it. You, yeah. you hit it on the head, Alex. It's exactly that, especially when you made the comparisons with the men's basketball team. You have the best players in the world playing in the NBA, and they get complacent. So they walk into these tournaments thinking they could just walk all over everyone. It's good to see them face uh, struggle a little bit. It keeps them in check. So I think they're going to bounce back stronger, the American team. I, I, there's no way that this becomes a trend for them. And then, like the Canadian women's team was always competitive. It was just it was always falling too short to the American team. Obviously, the developmental system makes a difference. Like they just they finally slayed the dragon type of thing. Like it took a penalty shot to do it too. Like it's not it's like you can if you want to argue more or less if that's convincing enough or not. Sure, whatever. But like um, I, I I agree that it is a wake up call. It's it's nice to finally get the W, but it's not like a W that we can run home to brag about. Like it's great, fantastic feeling, but I feel like as if it's more like okay, we know that we're capable of winning. 
So how do we make it consistent now? So it's all, so it's good to see for them because I've always felt like as if the Canadian women's team, the Canadian women's team at one point was miles, miles, miles ahead of the men's team. And it was always better to watch the women's, it was better soccer to watch the women's soccer, not, not to, not to, not saying anything in terms of gender or whatnot, but I'm just saying it was miles better to watch the women's national team during international competition than it was for the men's. Nobody actually cared for the men's. People actually preferred to watch the women's because it was much more competitive and people like to see their team win. So uh, it's nice to finally see that. I hope Sinclair gets her goal. She deserved it. Uh, was she like 180 international goals? It's something ridiculously high. Um, like it's, it's something that I feel like as if she deserves to have and they should do it for her. Honestly, out of all, out of all players on that team, it should be for her, but that's just me and putting my, my final say. <laughs> Who's the hot girl that plays for USA? Huh? Who's the hot girl that plays for USA? Alex Morgan. Yeah. Oh, she's hot, man. For me, whole, ever since Hope Soul left, I'm like, Ooh. okay, well, I don't oh, really She's care. smoking, man. <laughs> holy she is fuck, hot. she's holy crap, man. Gorgeous. Yeah. She's up there in years now. She's been around forever. All right. Well, I, I, I I'm gonna have the duty of I'm gonna have the duty of wrapping up this episode. And and by the way, huge thanks. Had to deal with some things at home, and so it's nice to know that I've got a good uh, friend and co-host like Jerry who can hold it down and do an awesome freaking job, and a great panel like the fellows we have here talking some Roma in Steve Mass and Johnny. You guys are absolutely awesome. To everyone who tuned in, to everyone who partook in the live chat, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you follow me at Alex Dono. I think Jerry already threw out all the shout-outs, so you know where to find everybody. Make sure you follow our show at Calcio Connection on all platforms. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Like I, I don't want any more of you freeloaders who will watch the live stream and not hit subscribe. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. It really helps us if you hit that subscribe button. Turn the alerts on as well so you know when we're going live. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. Subscribe to us uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google. Just search oh. Connection and subscribe. Get all the episodes. I actually want to do a draw this year for the for the pod. Um, luckily, I know this is the last thing I'm going to say. Um, I've had said this a hundred times. I actually yeah. want to. Uh, Probably out of my own pocket, I want to do a raw for something. I could draw our contest for a Calcio jersey. And winner will get the yeah. choice of their jersey, and I will ship it out to them because the store, T.Italia, basically ships it out for me. So they will dis- they'll send it to someone. So if anybody has good ideas of making a contest for a jersey, official, your choice of name. I, I I would love to hear the piggy bank answers, and I want it to be something where it's fair, not these stupid. Send out a tweet, and you retweet, and you hashtag, and you can win something. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing ever because it's such fraud and garbage. It's like a pyramid scheme. Scheme, okay? That's just bullshit. How how do you know that if, if twenty hundred people retweet? They're gonna be the selection one. Maybe right. we do. A, maybe we do a pool amongst like people, and we we do something. But I, I would love to like have an idea of how I can distribute for a, a jersey, and I would love to do that. Something that we can raffle off. That's all. That's all I have. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> Alex is ready for bed, guys. I have yeah. to sleep, man. <laughs> because because uh, my my kid, my kid who's not feeling well. He kept me up 
half the night last night. So I am, ooh, I, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to enjoy uh, some sleep. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao. Oh, that's fucking smart. Syria confidence pool. That is fucking genius. <laughs> uh, Juventus sucks.